For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN. Now, live inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. An ugly game six has the Sixers season coming to an end. This is the Sports Bass live on 97.3 ESPN, the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. I'm your host, Mike Gill. Josh Henning is producing today's show. You out there. Now, on many days, I implore and ask you to not be so irrational at times today's one of the days you're allowed to be irrational the season has come to an end and you're allowed to be angry the effort they put forward last night simply not good enough i look at a team that quite frankly i don't know if it's energy effort i think it's a team that just certainly realized at the end of the night when you listen to Joel Embiid, you listen to doc rivers you listen to tyrese maxey james harden this is a team that simply knows they're just not good enough Yeah, they didn't uh, play very well. There's no question about it. I thought Embiid, you know, left it out on the floor last night. He just didn't have a lot of help. And I think the biggest thing, you know, if you listen to Joel Embiid spoke for a long time last night. You know, they didn't have him in and out of there in 10, you know, five minutes. He was there for a good half hour, basically pouring it all out last night. And the message was clear from Joel Embiid. We are simply not good enough. Joel Embiid's message was loud and clear. We're not tough enough, and we're not good enough. He has asked many times to essentially not to point the finger at the front office and at the coaching staff. He said, point the finger at the players. He said it multiple times last night, and I think he's right. The players simply aren't good enough. This team's not tough enough. They're not good enough. We talked about this yesterday. The reason they're in the position that they're in, Joel Embiid, look, who knows where this season would have been if, in fact, or this series would have been, I should say, if Joel Embiid played in one of the first two games. Maybe they win a game in Miami. They win the two games in Philadelphia. They're up 3-2. to Who knows? But the fact of the matter is this. Embiid did not play, and the rest of the team was not good enough. For Embiid to go out of his way, I mean, he called out a bunch of things last night. And I think he did it subtly, but he did it loud and clear enough for me. He said, James Harden is not the same James Harden that he was in Houston. Shots fired. Right? Is this his Ben Simmons moment? Is James Harden now going to go pout and say, well, Joel Embiid called me out? Because that's what he did last night. James Harden took two shots in the fourth quarter of the game. I mean, the Sixers got rid of Ben Simmons because he was a guy who didn't shoot in the fourth quarter. And then James Harden disappeared in the fourth quarter. 
Joel Embiid last night told you the story of the Sixers. He called people out by name. James Harden, not the same. We don't have a P.J. Tucker. We don't have a Marcus Smart. When asked repeatedly by Tim Bontemps, who I don't know if he was wearing a fedora last night during the interview or the press conference, when asked afterwards, do you want to get involved in making decisions in the front office? Embiid basically deferred. I don't want to answer that question. This is Joel Embiid's moment to shine and say, listen, I'm the face of this franchise, and now you got to start listening to me. Because I've done it, you know, much like I said the other day with the Brooklyn Nets. The Brooklyn Nets have done it their way, and it hasn't worked. Well, the Sixers are doing it their way, and it's not working. Joel and B, by the way, is it pouring rain out? Is that what's going on right now? I mean, the rain is coming down so torrentially that I can literally hear it in my headsets. My gosh. So Joel Embiid is basically trying to tiptoe around the fact that he's in a situation, not that he doesn't want to be in, because I think Joel Embiid genuinely wants to be a member of the Philadelphia 76ers. I think he wants to be a Sixer. I think he wants to win in Philadelphia. But I think he also understands that some of the things that are going on have to change. I think he understands that the team is coming into a crossroads of his career. Joel Embiid's not a young man anymore. Joel Embiid's not the 22-year-old guy that you would look at and say, hey, he had that first loss, and he can learn from these losses. This is, what, the fifth loss now for Joel Embiid in the second round or the fourth in five tries. They got knocked out and swept in the first round one of the years. By the Boston Celtics. He's now 28 years old. Embiid will start next season at 28 years old. And he said all the right things afterwards. I'm going to get better. You know, every year I've gotten better. I've added to my game. And he has. There's no denying that Embiid has continuously got better. And I was talking about this last night. You know, when Embiid's talking about the team's not tough enough, that they're not good enough. A lot of this you think to yourself, you ever have that kid who's just a great athlete, he's just bigger than everybody at a young age, but he gets by on the fact that he's just bigger than everybody. Joel Embiid, I don't want to say he gets by on the fact that he's just bigger than everybody because he's such a skilled guy. And he's a very smart player. But there are times that he's reckless. And there are times when he's not tough enough. And there are times when Joel Embiid still has a lot to learn. And there's a lot of times when you realize Joel Embiid has only been playing this game for, what, 10, 15 years? And you see that sometimes in him. When your best player is the raw guy, there's a lot of learning still left to go for Joel Embiid. And I think... You know, sometimes when he's the best player and he's the guy and he talks about toughness and all that, I think Joel has to also realize that he's part of that. Well, why don't we rebound? Well, you're seven foot, 280 pounds. You should be dominating on the glass. Let's be honest. Joel Embiid doesn't dominate on the glass. He's a good rebounder. 
He doesn't dominate, though. Why don't the Sixers dominate on the glass? They got the biggest, most athletic guy out there. So I think this is an all-encompassing thing that the best player, Joel Embiid, was very frustrated last night. And he had 20 points and 12 rebounds and two assists and a block. But he was 7 of 24. I'll tell you this about Joel Embiid. He didn't go down without swinging Joel. Whereas his teammate James Harden, he (laughs) threw nary a jab in this fight. Embiid threw some haymakers. Not a lot, but he threw a bunch. 7 of 24. He didn't shoot very well from the field last night. He was 2 of 8 from 3-point range. Here's a guy who's out there with a torn ligament in his thumb, the face mask, clearly bothering them both. But at least I could say, you know what, Joel? You gave me full effort. James Harden last night gave you bupkis. James Harden last night was everything that you traded away that you were hoping to replace with something completely different. The guy you traded away, you traded away because he shied away. The guy you brought in, you were almost concerned how he was going to take touches away from Joel Embiid. How were they going to share the ball? He shot four for nine last night. In 43 minutes, James Harden shot the ball nine times. He scored 11 points in the first half. He had two shots the rest of the way. James Harden was the anti-Ben Simmons. And sadly, the team has been better off with Ben Simmons than they more. They've gone farther with Simmons by a game twice than they have with Harden. Simmons played maybe his worst basketball that any of us ever saw. And they still managed to get seven games. James Harden couldn't even push him to the limit last night. It's a shocking performance from a player who is regarded as one of the great scorers in the history of the game. It's almost unfathomable to think in a game six situation on your home floor, you traded for a guy and he basically did what the guy you traded him for used to do. He basically disappeared, not only in the fourth quarter, in the entire second half of the game. Harden said all the right things about his future in Philadelphia. I want to be here. I'm going to be here. We're going to get better. But I think his actions spoke louder than words last night. He didn't shoot. When asked afterwards if he thought Doc Rivers was the right coach, he simply said... No comment. Next question. There's a lot happening with the Philadelphia 76ers, and they're at a crossroads with their star player, Joel Embiid. Hey, listen. For years and years and years, the Sixers have had stars that they simply couldn't pair up with anybody. They had Charles Barkley. They could never find someone to play with Charles Barkley. They had Allen Iverson. They could never find someone, the right piece, to play with Allen Iverson. And now, 
They've got maybe one of the most unique players in the entire NBA. But I'm not sure they have a clue of what to do with them. 609-403-0973-609-403-0973. I think Joel said it all last night. Joel Embiid, his quote was pretty clear at the end of the day as I see text messages coming in. Embiid said, and I'm glad he said this, at some point you've got to stop looking at the coaches and the front office and look at the players. When the other team is more physical than you, it's on the players. That's the quote from Joel Embiid. You know, there was a time last night when the Sixers call timeout, they're down nine, and Doc Rivers is mic'd up in the huddle, and he's saying, guys, fight. He would had no game plan, no plan, no play. He just looked at his players and said, can you please give me more than you're giving me? And Joel Embiid realizes it. At some point, you as a player have to have it in your inner self to want to play harder. And Bede said it after the game. I don't need a coach to tell me that this game's important. No one's going to tell me to play harder. And if you're a player that needs the coach to get that out of you, you're not a player that is a winning player. I'm sure all the people listening have coached at some point in your lives, little league, t-ball, whatever it is. And there's a kid on the team, you're like, man, this kid doesn't listen to anything. He just doesn't care. No matter what you yell and scream and do to try to pull that out of that kid, you're just not getting it. And Embiid looked around and said, man, this coach can tell us all. This is it. Let's fight. There was no fight in any of them guys last night. I think you looked at a team that was simply hitting empty. They were out of gas. It was 49-48 at halftime last night. And at 49-48, I said to myself, they're out of gas. There is just nothing left in the gas tank. Zero. They're down by a point, but they have nothing left to give. It looked like a team that had played every other night. It looked like a team whose star player was dragging his buddies Hey, I don't really feel like doing this today. I want to go stay on the beach. No, come on. Let's go. Let's just go play. Well, it'll be fun. No, it wasn't fun. They got whipped and beat up. They got into, you know, there was a bunch of guys who decided, hey, let's go out for drinks tonight. And one of the buddies, you know, inadvertently banged into somebody and spilled his drink on someone. And they ended up getting into a fist fight and got their asses kicked. You know, this was supposed to be fun, Joel. Sorry, I bumped into that guy by accident and spilled my drink all over him. And the guy was a jerk. He wanted to fight me. He didn't realize I was just, you know. The Sixers just had nothing left in the tank last night. Danny Green goes down. I know people don't like Danny Green, but it took away a shooter. 49-48, you're in that game at halftime. Where are you? 49-48, you're in that game at halftime. James Harden, can you get me a bucket? Can you keep me in this thing? Zero points. James Harden, 
We're down by one at halftime. Can you dial it back for a half? Can you bring back the James Harden we saw in this building on Sunday night? You were in this building on Sunday night. You scored 30. Can you be that guy for a half? Couldn't do it. James Harden shot zero free throws last night. Joel Embiid shot four. As a team, they shot seven free throws last night. Seven. The Heat shot 11. Not many more. But you have a team that has Joel Embiid and James Harden, two guys who get to the line more than almost anybody in the entire NBA. There's a lot that needs to be changed here. And I think Embiid, I think Tobias Harris, who said it again today, those guys hit the nail on the head. The team is simply not tough enough. This team is simply not tough enough. Jay Will said it the other day. They don't have a leader on the floor. When things get tough, they have no one to turn to. And in a situation like last night, they're not the more talented team. We knew that at the beginning of this season, this wasn't the more talented team. You know, when this season started and it's Joel Embiid and Tyrese Maxey, and we didn't even know what the hell Maxey was going to be. But there was no way that anybody thought this. You know, I think for one thing that Doc was right about is this team didn't have any expectations at the end of the year. The fact that they were in game six of the second round was probably a surprise to most people. And, of course, when you're in the moment, you want to win it. But I think it's fair to be irrational today. I think it's fair to be the fan that says, I'm disappointed. All of it. Because you know why? Jimmy Butler said something last night, and I think he's a little off base. He said, Tobias Harris, you picked me, Tobias Harris over me? I think it's a little misguided, Jimmy Butler. They didn't pick Tobias Harris over you. You chose to leave because they decided to keep Ben Simmons over you. And when you chose to leave, they had no choice but to sign Tobias Harris. This wasn't, hey, we'll just sign Tobias Harris over you. This was Jimmy Butler saying, it's Ben Simmons or it's me. And at the time, in hindsight, it's easy for every single person in the listening audience today to say, well, then you should have gone with Jimmy Butler. At the time, you have Ben Simmons, a 22-year-old all-star, and Jimmy Butler, quite frankly, listen, Jimmy Butler was 30 years old at the time, and let me break it to everybody out there. He didn't get you out of the second round either. Jimmy Butler was here. He didn't get you out of the second round. So that's not like act like Jimmy Butler was this be-all, end-all, that how did they, my God, how did they give up on Jimmy Butler? Jimmy Butler's awesome. Don't get me wrong. But when he was with the Sixers, in the first round of the playoffs, he averaged 15 points, and in the second round, he averaged 22. They lost with Jimmy Butler. You know how many points he averaged in this series? 27. Well, maybe if I got Jimmy Butler that I got for the Heat when he was with Philadelphia, maybe he would have got them out of the second round, and maybe they would have chosen him over Ben Simmons. But at the time, who's choosing a 30-year-old guy 
over a 22-year-old All-Star? Nobody. Well, two years later, it's easy to say Ben is out not even playing right now. And Jimmy Butler just put 27 points a game and kicked your ass. So, yes. Yes. In hindsight, if you had the decision to make over again, you would say, I'll take Jimmy Butler over Ben Simmons. But it wasn't Jimmy Butler, as he said last night, Tobias Harris over me? Come on, Jimmy Butler. That's a little bit of a misnomer, if you will. Well, I listen, Butler is in the same boat as a lot of people. You know, there's a lot of people who... You know, we heard some of it on the radio today. We saw some of it on television. There's a lot of people who don't want either want to accept or know the history of what happened with this organization and with this city. And, you know, Jimmy falls into the same boat. I think there's a lot of people who they walk into situations with a predisposed opinion. They don't want to be open-minded. They don't want to hear the truth. They just want to take whatever they take. And a guy like Jimmy Butler... He's a he's a chip on your shoulder guy. He's gonna he's gonna find some little extra something somewhere because he feels the whole world's against him. He thinks he's Tupac, me against the world. And if he thinks that you know Tobias Harris, you know, is his nemesis for a, a six game series, he's gonna chattel that uh, until he wins. Well, you know, you catch him in the video coming off the court last yeah, night. The Tobias Harris over me. And, of course, that's hitting viral everywhere. Everybody's seeing that as if the Sixers legitimately said to him, no, we don't want you. We want Tobias Harris. If that's the case, then the Sixers certainly made a mistake. That, to my recollection, is not the the case. The recollection that I remember is and has been reported, and it was reported yesterday by Ramona Shelbourne, which was the Sixers chose Ben Simmons. They basically said Butler... And Simmons, it came down to one of those two guys because they both wanted the ball. We have four years of reporting, more than just Ramona's most recent update of the story with a little extra detail for it. This has been reported by multiple people from, you know, you had Jake Fisher on from Bleacher Report, for example. You know, you've had, you know, people, multiple people who cover the NBA. There's a lot of people on who have said the Sixers chose Ben Simmons over Jimmy Butler. Right. Because their styles of play clash. Well, Ben Simmons went to the Sixers and said, look, we both can't have the ball. Right. And the Sixers essentially said, okay, I will. We'll, we're going to stay with you then. If, if you know, if both guys, um, they, they were having a problem of who's going to, who's going to basically who's, be the ball dominant player right, on who's this gonna team. be the guy who controls the pace of the game and the offense and the Sixers essentially chose Ben Simmons which at the time nobody could argue with the guy's 22 years old he had been to multiple all-stars yes in hindsight it's easy to say look again Jimmy Butler he was in Philadelphia and he couldn't get them out of the second round so again Butler was great but he didn't get them out of the second round Butler was here and also came up short let's remember that so it's easy for him now to be somewhere else, beats the team. And by the way, if they gave out an MVP of this series, he would be it. Him or Struess. I mean, Jesus, Mary. Jesus. Oh, it's definitely him. I mean, he averaged My over 30 God. points a game, didn't he? 27 and a half Butler had, but Struess was unbelievable. He had well, 20 and 10 last night. Struess had three games, though. Butler had five. Yeah, but no, Butler had, again, I think I just said, he was the MVP. But yeah. when you have a role player like Struess, the Sixers simply didn't have that guy who picked them up. They didn't have that right. guy that just came out of nowhere and gave them a shot in the arm. They got it in the one game, Danny Green, they won. 
if they would have had it multiple games like Miami got, Jimmy Butler played great, but he played he scored 40 in one game, lost, 33 in another game, lost. It was the games when he had somebody help him. And by the way, you mentioned what Jay Will said about leadership. You know, you look at last night's game, Danny Green goes down, he's out for the game. You have to think if Danny Green is playing in that second half, does the game maybe go differently? Because Danny Green feels like the only guy on this team that has any clout. I don't think so. No, I don't think so. I, I At halftime, at 49-48, halftime, I said, they're out of gas, man. They got nothing in the tank. You don't think if Danny Green no. playing second half, it might have made a little bit difference? Nope. Not at all. All right. No, I don't think so. I, they just team just didn't have it, didn't have didn't have another gear. I'm not saying they didn't give effort. I don't think they had it in the tank to give. I think there's a team that just spent. Not only spent, a team that is spent and realizes they're spent. We're not good enough. That moment where you're just like, we're just not good enough. It's a four-person team. It's Embiid, Harris, Harden, and Maxi. After that, is there anybody on this roster you're like, I have to have back? No. Come on. For them to be where they were last night, they probably exceeded expectations. But you got to figure out how to get this thing moving off the apex that it's sitting on right now. It's sitting at a plateau, and it needs to jump higher. And they got to figure out how to do it. They tried to do it with Harden, and I don't think that's the right piece. I was not a huge fan of the trade. I said over and over, I thought the Nets won the deal. I take Curry back and I take Drummond back and take my chances in this series. Want to play it over like that? I'll take my chances. And I would have kept Simmons around and see if he changed his attitude, changed his mind. If not, I would have tried to trade him in the offseason. Now, you got a big problem. You got a $47.4 million problem. All that and more coming up. Mike McGarry this hour. Sal Palantonio, the Eagles schedule is out. Some very interesting moments in that schedule, including a league-high five primetime games for the 76ers. We will have Doc Rivers and Daryl Morey's press conference in the 3 o'clock hour. You are not going to miss that today. Doc and Daryl, not Doc Gooden and Daryl Strawberry. Doc Rivers and Daryl Morey, 3 o'clock hour here on the Sports Bash. Now. Back to more. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. On 97.3 ESPN, South Jersey's sports leader. All right, Sports Bash, 97.3 ESPN. I got your text messages. I see them coming in. 609-403-0973. 609-403-0973. Keep your text messages coming in. I'm going to read and react to them. Uh, Daryl Morey, Doc Rivers, uh, Maury has already announced that Doc Rivers will be back next season. So that is already out. They are speaking now. We'll have that for you coming up in the 3 o'clock hour. We will replay in, uh, the interviews or the press conferences in its entirety. Doc Rivers is speaking now. He says, or Daryl Maury has said, he will be back next season. 
So there you go. Uh, Al from Vineland checks in. Doc's got to go. Well, you're not getting that wish, Al. Embiid got mature. That injury game six versus Toronto caused him to first to miss two games of the series. Harris and Harden didn't show up. Um, yeah, Harris and Harden. Harden was terrible. Other than the game that they won, game four, he was fantastic in. Other than that, he was average at best. He did not show up last night. Harris has been Harris this whole time. He's good, but he's not great. He's better if he's your fourth guy. He's your third guy. And he's just not an impact player. Harris is just not an impact player. He just makes no impact at all in the game. He can't put the ball on the floor. He's atrocious around the basket. I'll give Harris this. He did play some good defense. I think he's gotten better defensively. But he can't put the ball on the floor. hes I, I said this a couple of years ago. Harris is like a, a better version of Robert Covington. And I don't understand how you make it to the NBA and you cannot put the ball on the floor. You've gotten to that level. And you just can't score off the dribble. Everything Harris does off the dribble is so robotic. He has no handle whatsoever. He can't finish around the rim. Oh, my God, he's a masonry around the basket. Everything is just clank, clank, clank from inside the paint. Just no touch around the basket for Harris. For his money... Unfortunately, it's a huge problem. Mike from Ocean City, I would rather just kept Seth Curry and James Harden rather than James Harden. Oh, and I would also give away DeAndre Jordan, which could have backed up Joel Embiid. Uh, Mike from Ocean City, the front office is the one that put the players together, so how are they not partially to blame? Well, Mike, I mean, Daryl Morey just kind of got here. I mean, how are they not partially to blame? I think Morey should take... I don't know. What do you want to give them? 10% of the blame? Here's the problem with half of these conversations. The Sixer fans, the city as a whole, the fan base was begging Maury to get rid of Ben Simmons. He got rid of Ben Simmons. So what you're saying is you're not just taking back Seth Curry and Drummond. You're taking back Ben Simmons in that conversation. So anybody who says, I'd rather have Seth Curry back, is also saying I'd rather have the Ben Simmons drama. Well, the, the big point you make there, though, is that people conveniently forget they didn't want Ben Simmons here. So they got rid of Ben Simmons, and everybody kept saying, you got to get rid of Ben. you got to take anything for him. Just give, take, take him, give me a basket of balls for him. Well, they got James Harden in return, and now you're saying, well, he's not good enough either. You know what I'm saying? It's right. like you asked for this guy to be traded, Ben Simmons, so they traded him. And at the time, you were saying, trade him for anything. I don't care what you give up. So essentially, you were saying, give Ben Simmons away for nothing. And then what they got in return, you're now saying, well, that wasn't good enough. <laughs> I mean, listen to that. It's, it's, I have a guy that I don't want. I don't care what you give me for him. I'll give you James Harden. Now you're saying, well, James Harden's not good enough. And I agree. Like, I didn't like the trade. I agree that, like, they were in a tough spot. It was and, a no-win anyway. Because if you would have kept Ben Simmons, you're going through an entire year with that drama with a guy that you can't even put on the roster. Well, let's say this. If him. they would have not traded Ben Simmons and had Seth Curry and, and Andre Drummond, 
they probably get knocked out in this second round anyway. Now, they may have fought harder. They might not have lost a game by 35 points. They might be playing in game seven. Who the hell knows? But I don't think they're beating the Miami Heat with Seth Curry and Andre Drummond. No. I think Harden got you no farther than Curry and Drummond would have gotten you. No, you were basically, you know, you traded for Harden. It was a guy that you were hoping was going to come here and just be the anti-Simmons. He'll shoot. He'll score. Big moment. He'll get to the line. You don't have to worry about him on the line late in the game because he's a great free throw shooter. He did none of that. Uh, Bob asked, do you think Joel will try to force his way out? Uh, wouldn't shock me. I'll give you a 15% chance. I'll go with 10. I, I just I think Joel legitimately likes playing here. I think, I think he loves Joel is invested in this organization in the city. I agree, but at what point is this circus too much for him? Well, I think that Joel is not like a lot of other stars. I think he's more like Giannis. He's a guy that says, look, like Giannis said, this organization is the one who invested and took a chance on me when no one else might have done that. So I think there's a part of him that's very loyal here. Uh, Cole from LBI. Mike, the Sixers are an absolute mess. The only players I want to bring back are Embiid and Maxi. Well, the only players you want to bring back are Embiid and Maxi. Why would you think they're going to win this series? Right? There's if no I way. told you, hey, you have a team. How many guys you want back? Two. How far is that team going? Not far. Right? I mean, think about this. Before we start to complain, you're saying the only two. there's only two guys on the whole, and I don't disagree with you. But there's only two guys on this roster that are worth a damn. Mike, I said it yesterday on Twitter. The Miami Heat were the better team. Joel Embiid made it. They're They're just a deeper team. They're the better team. They have more talent, more depth, more people to work with than the Sixers do. Uh, Mike, but they threw money at Harris instead of Butler. Yes, Simmons was a factor, but it was either Harris or Butler. They chose Harris. That's That's, not right. That's not true. That's not true. They threw Harris at they threw money at Harris after Butler decided, if you're going to keep Simmons over me, then I want out. Remember, Butler asked to be traded because he asked for them to get rid of Simmons, and the team said no. Right. And then Butler said, well, if you're going to keep Simmons, I want out. It right. wasn't, hey, Tobias and Jimmy, come to the office. Both of you guys sit down. We want to talk to you. Jimmy, we're sorry. We have $180 million. We're going to offer it to Tobias, not you. That's not what happened. Butler and Harris had nothing to do with each other. It was, listen, I can't play with Ben Simmons. Or Ben Simmons went to them and said, I can't play with Jimmy Butler. And the two of them got to a standstill. Well, you got to pick one over the other. All right, we're going to kick Simmons. Butler then says, all right, well, then you need to trade me. All right, well, if you need to be traded, we can't lose you and Harris. So now we got to sign Harris. Yeah, from my my understanding of all the reports, the, the scenario went like this. Butler wanted the ball in his hand. Brown didn't want to run the offense like that consistently. He wanted Butler and Simmons to take turns. He wanted Simmons to be primary ball handler A and Butler to be primary ball handler B. Butler didn't like that. He basically told the organization, because they wanted Butler back, but Butler said... I can't be here if Ben Simmons is going to be yeah, primary. Yeah, Butler ball and Simmons cannot coexist, essentially. Right. So the Sixers said, well, we'll take the 22-year-old over the 30-year-old. Uh, Gerald Morey says, James Harden, the plan is for him to be back next season. So Doc will be back. Harden will be back. Sports Bash will be back. Mike McGarry will be with me next. Now, back to the... For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, 
so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Three, ESPN. All right, 244 Sports Pass. Some local news real quick. Uh, Osuno Sunie from Mainland. Uh, he is transferring to Iowa State. So he's entered the NBA draft process. And I guess the information that he got was that he needs to return to school. So he's going to go play at Iowa State for the Cyclones. And also, uh, Taj Sweet reportedly has also entered the transfer portal for the second time. He had gone to Coastal Carolina, and it looks like he's leaving there already without playing. Uh, no place where he's heading. So there's a couple of local tidbits for you. Let's bring Mike McGarry into the conversation from the press of Atlantic City. Michael, what's going on, man? How are you, Mike? Well, let's put the pieces together as fast as we can. How do we fix this mess in Philly? Wow. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know if you can fix it. Like, uh, Well, what did you take uh, away from Embiid last night? I think he laid a lot out there. He spoke for a while. He said a lot of things. He questioned the toughness. He said you can't. You got to stop pointing at the coach in the front office, that this is on the players. He took a little shot at Harden saying, look, he's not the same Harden from Houston. There was a lot there. Yeah, I, I mean – I think it's on everybody in the organization. You know, I was at the game last night, and uh, no doubt, just like in game five, they were. I mean, the Miami Heat just not only beat them, but they broke the sixes well in that third quarter with the way they dominated. Uh, and obviously, you have the James Harden situation where he only takes two shots in the second half. And, and quite frankly, continues a string of playoff performances where James Harden has just not, uh, you know, performed up to his regular season uh, expectations in the postseason throughout his career. And now you have a guy who doesn't look like the player he was in Houston. Uh, you have questions around Joel Embiid to me. I know these are freak injuries. I know he said it last night, you know, an elbow to the eye. Uh, you know, but it's every playoff series that he's involved in. It's something. He's never been completely healthy for a playoff series. And I know they're freak injuries, but the way he plays, you saw it last night. He's, he's diving all over the place. He's falling all over the place. Does he put himself in positions where these freak injuries happen? Is he going to be able to stay healthy for a two month, uh, playoff run? Who knows? And, you know, in, um, you know, I'm, I wasn't there, but I was listening to the Daryl Morey, Doc Rivers press conference that's going on right now. Morey says Doc Rivers is coming back, and, and that should be great because Doc told us last night he's done a terrific job this season. So, Well, do you think that's the right move? There. Do you think they should explore making a change at the coaching position? Or, you know, this would be the third coach in like a four-year span. Do you got to keep some consistency with roster and coach and front office? It's something that has constantly changed in this organization. You know, and listening to that press conference uh, that they're having right now, it reminded me an awful lot of the 2019 press conference. It sounded like the exact same thing. Substitute, you know, uh, Brett Brown for Doc Rivers and Daryl Moore, where Brett insisted that they did not have enough time. They made the trades in the middle of the season for Tobias Harrison and Jimmy Butler, and they did not have enough time to maximize what those two could bring to the table, to maximize their, you know, 
value with the rest of the team to mesh together. It's the same exact thing. It's the same exact, uh, I don't, I'll say it, same exact excuse that we're hearing now. Oh, we got James Harden. We have not had time to unlock him and all he can bring to the team. We need a training camp. We need an offseason. It's the same exact thing from 2019. I think what you have right now is very simple. You have a perennial playoff team, but you do not have a championship contender. And the step from perennial playoff team to championship contender might be as far away as it's been since they first made the playoffs back in 2008. So let's ask this then. They made the Simmons trade. Everybody wanted them to trade Simmons. They took a step backwards now after trading Simmons. Well, I guess, you know, I, 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 the, the argument of the trade with the Simmons trade is that you weaken the bench, right? But I, I, I for one, do not think if you had Andre Drummond or Seth Curry, you're, you're changing the series against the Miami Heat. I don't think all of a sudden the, the Sixers uh, start uh, – don't let the Miami Heat completely dominate them on the offensive glass and get every 50-50 ball. And basically at some point, you know, there was a point early in the fourth quarter last night where Victor Aladipo basically shoved the Sixer out of the way and stripped James Harden of the ball. I don't think any of that changes if Seth Curry and, and, uh, and Drummond are here. Obviously, their role players, their bench players need to be upgraded considerably. Yeah. I mean, George Niang is not getting it done. Korkmaz is not getting it done. And I think Matisse Thibel has showed us that he, he does one thing well, right? He plays defense. And that's great on a Tuesday night in Orlando when he can have five steals in the second quarter and block three shots. And everybody can say Matisse Thibel is great. But when it counts in the playoffs, uh, he, he couldn't guard Jimmy Butler last night. They had nobody who could guard Jimmy Butler, and he was unplayable on the offensive end of the floor. So obviously, you know, they have Embiid, who's one of the best players in the league. They have Harden, who is not what he was in Houston, but is still a pretty good playmaker. They have Tobias Harris, who I would characterize as solid, above average, a team guy willing to sacrifice. And they have Tyrese Maxey, who is a young player on the rise, but is clearly not there yet. So that core seems okay to me. The bench, however, the other four or five guys you've got to put in that rotation, boy, I think you've got a lot of work to do, yeah. and I don't know if they have the resources to do it. What would you do with the whole Harden situation? Now, he has the, the he, he could just opt back in, and that would end all this, but what if he opted out? Well, you know, if he opted out, it's it's a lot to think about. I know right now, and look, I thought his performance was inexcusable last night. To take two shots in the second half, one one it counted, the other was a three in garbage time when half the people were already, uh, you know, probably driving over to Walt Whitman Bridge or up 95 back to where they lived. I thought his performance last night was inexcusable. But to trade what they traded and let him walk away for nothing uh, you know, I just think that's bad business and, and bad basketball business. Well, didn't they he go through still, this before where they made a decision based on they traded something and now they have Tobias Harris making almost $200 million? Yeah, I mean, it's NBA funny money to a large degree, uh, you know, but I don't think you can let to, uh, let James Harden walk. I mean, a sign and trade is always an option that you can look at. Maybe you explore that, but I don't think you can just say, okay, uh uh, Harden, if you don't want to pick up your option, we're not going to sign you to an extension. See you later. I don't think you can do that. How much of this, uh, Mike McGarry from the Press of Atlantic City is with us. Um, you know, last night Joel said, you got to stop pointing the finger at the coach and the front office. How much is on the front office? How much is, do you look at Daryl Morey and say, 
well, this guy was supposed to be one of the best in the league, and this team is not good enough. Do you say this is on him, or do you say, well, you know, he was handed this, inherited this, and he hasn't got a chance to really do what he's wanted to do? How much is on Maury? Well, that's well, that, that's what they'll tell you. You know, I, I think it's on everybody involved in the org, in in the organization. Uh, you know, but Maury has done some good things here. Uh, you know, uh, getting rid of Horford and and uh, uh, the guy they got from the Heat, his name escapes me right now. He's on the Josh Richardson. Josh Richardson, right? And able to get off those contracts and bring Seth Curry in, and then they were forced. Look, Simmons forced their hand, right? The Simmons situation forced their hand. You know, he Simmons, you know, came in and put them in a situation, almost a no-win situation, where they. You know, he forced a trade. He forced his way out. He wasn't playing. So I'm sure, you know, Daryl Morey signed the contract to come and take over the Philadelphia 76ers. You know, he thought he'd have Simmons and Embiid. Simmons forced their hand. So, uh, yeah, they, it's on everybody in the organization from, and I think from a couple aspects, they've got to improve that bench. They've got to figure the, out the role players. They've got to put people around Embiid that can make Embiid prosper and get the most out of Embiid. And, and from the Doc Rivers' perspective, they did not look like a basketball team last night in the third quarter of that game that looked, you know, uh, engaged with their coach, shall we say, or, you know, on the same page as their coach. They were outworked, outplayed, outhustled by the Miami Heat. And when you look at that, uh, you can say that sort of points back to the coach a little bit. All right. Uh, we'll, we'll leave with this because uh, obviously disappointing. Um, at the same time, I don't know what the expectations were for this season. However, do you think major changes are needed or smaller tweaks to this, what we saw? Well, you're not going to change that core, right? You're going to keep that, the four guys. The only guy I can think of that might, you might of the four that I just mentioned before is Tobias Harris, right? I mean, he's coming down towards the end of the contract, so maybe he's movable there. Uh, he's one of the four guys that, out of those four guys, I think he's the only guy out of the core that maybe is not back next year. Now, major changes, it depends what your definition of major is. If you're adding three or four or, you know, role players off the bench to sort of come in and, and tweak the organization, to me, that, that's major changes because you're, you're tweaking half your rotation, right? If you're playing eight, nine guys and you got to bring in, you know, four new guys at least, I would think, you know, because I don't think you can come back with, you know, Korkmaz and Niang and, and Thibel. I don't think you can come back with all three of those guys or Shake Milton. So if you're bringing in four or five new role players to sort of, you know, kind of put the core over the top, yeah, those are major changes, and that's not easy to do. But the thing that, Mike, I see, they don't have a guy, and they don't have – and I, uh, they don't have a Marcus Smart, and, and it's they don't have a Drew Holiday, which is ironic because he was the first guy they shipped out of town to start the process. They don't have that tough, tough guard. They, they don't have anybody which on Which would be noted last night. Right. They, they don't have anybody on that team that's going to make a, the plays that Holiday made at the end of Game 5 against the Celtics that gave them the win in gave the Bucks to win in Celtics. They don't have a guy on the team that makes those plays. And those players win in the postseason, and they've got to go get, you know, that sort of hard-nosed guy. And the Heat had, a, you know, a couple of those guys. You know, Tucker, uh, Vincent, they had grown men out there, and the Sixers didn't, and, and that was the problem. And they admitted it. I mean, I thought Tobias Harris was grounded in reality last night when he said, 
you know, as, as I wrote today, he said, you know, we just weren't mentally tough. They just out-toughed us. And, and, you know, to a large degree, that he was exactly correct. Uh, Mike McGarry from the Press of Atlantic City. Plenty more to discuss, I'm sure, Monday. Uh, Doc and Daryl are speaking now. We'll have that for you in the 3 o'clock hour. Phillies weekend with the Dodgers, all that and more Monday here on the Sports Bash. Happy hour Friday, Mike. Enjoy the weekend. I will, and, and a good thing that the uh, Phillies didn't blow that lead last <laughs> night because I would have felt for my Philly, my Philadelphia sports fans' friends. I, I, that would have been too tough a night if they had blown another 7-1 lead. So even I uh. have some compassion, Mike. Even I have some compassion. All right, man. Yeah, that was an All ugly right, we'll game. See you in down the, the road. Yeah, buddy. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you on Monday. Yes, that would have been an ugly loss for the Phillies last night, too, if you stayed up for that. Somehow they almost blew that game last night up 7-1. All right, when we come back, Sal Palantonio, the Eagles' schedule is out. Five primetime games, three straight road games late in the year. We'll break down that schedule with Sal Pal coming up next, and then we'll have the Doc and Daryl press conference in the 3 o'clock hour after Sal Palantonio right here on the Sports Bash Live on 97.3 ESPN. And the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app, the Sports Bash, is brought to you by the Atlantic City Airport. Plan your summer vacation now. Spirit Airlines is offering nonstop flight from Atlantic City International Airport to Boston, Atlanta, San Juan, Miami, and other exciting destinations. Visit spirit.com today. Sal Pal next. This is the Sports Bash Live on 97.3 ESPN and the 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN. Now, live inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. All right, 3 o'clock, Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN. Sixers lose last night. We got all the reaction coming up, but the Eagles' schedule is out, and it's got some interesting twists and turns, including a league-high Five primetime games. The Eagles are back on primetime. Five scheduled primetime games. Most since 2018 and dating back to 2000, the Eagles have appeared in the second most primetime games in the entire NFL. Only the Dallas Cowboys have been on primetime TV more than the Philadelphia Eagles. Here to take a look at the schedule, ESPN senior national correspondent Sal Palantonio joins me on a Sal Pal Friday. Sal Pal, what's going on, buddy? It's an annual tradition on the Mike Gill Show on the Sports Bash for me and you to go through the schedule the day after it's released. And, you know, it's not written in stone. We're not going to get... You know, we're not going to make sure that, that everybody keeps us to this. But when you look at the schedule, Mike, you got to ask yourself, did Howie Roseman put this schedule together? <laughs> so you like the way this thing's set did, up for did them. Did Jeffrey Lurie put this schedule together, Mike Gill? I mean, this schedule uh, is a very good schedule for the Philadelphia Eagles. So let's do it. We always do it. Let's go through it week by week, and let's try to figure out how many wins the Philadelphia Eagles will have in 2022. Take it away. All right, uh, Sal Pal, they're opening in Detroit. This is almost like an extension of the preseason here. It's a win, baby. It's a win. It's a lock win. <laughs> you like the win? I like the win, too, obviously. Uh, playing they, That was one team they really dominated last year, although that Detroit team is getting a little bit better. Uh, I think uh, you, you, I agree with you there. All right, Monday night, the opener at home against the Vikings of Minnesota. 
Yeah, I wouldn't want to be the Vikings in that game. That's a win for the Philadelphia Eagles, Michael. I like Minnesota. I mean, I like Philadelphia at home as well. Monday night, I like that spot for them in the home opener, getting to do it under the bright lights. All right, we both got them there, 2-0. Let's go to the Commanders in week number three. You get to see your old buddy Carson Wentz. It's a 1 o'clock game on Fox. You know, it's one of those tweener games, right? Home opener. And Dougie Fresh coming in the following week. It's definitely one of those games where they could get squeezed psychologically facing Carson Wentz. No matter who they play at quarterback in Washington, it usually comes down to three points. And I got the commanders winning this game. And I think the Eagles will lose this game week three and then follow up by beating Jacksonville and Doug Peterson in his return to Lincoln Financial Field. So I got them at 3-1 and one going into Arizona. We have the same. I have a loss in Washington division game. They're tough, man. I mean, that team always plays you tough. Their defense is very good. Early road game, I'll take Washington there. And then, yeah, Jacksonville, I think, just doesn't have the horses yet to kind of pull no. us off. It'll be an emotional day, though. I would imagine they're going to do something that day, No. Yeah, it'll be an emotional day, and you know, and Doug Peterson deserves all the accolades that the Eagles fans want to give him. He'll he'll get a standing ovation, and then the team will get booed real bad. <laughs> but you know, here the next game at at Arizona is an interesting game because I think Jalen Hurts fancies himself as a better version of Kyler Murray, and I think that Jalen Hurts will try to go toe to toe with. Uh, with Kyler Murray in that game. I do have the Eagles losing it, but it'll definitely be a show-me game for the Philadelphia Eagles. They will show the NFL quite a bit in that football game. Now, that's, see, this that's is a late game on Fox. That's yes. a late game on Fox. It'll be nationally televised on Fox. So that's a late game. Good game. 425. I actually, this is no Hopkins in this game. I think he'll be suspended still. One, two, three, four, five. Yeah, he's out six weeks. So no Hopkins in that game for them. They've got one of the more difficult schedules in football, Arizona. That's a tricky yeah. game for them. I'll, I'll, I, I like Arizona on the surface. Obviously, we'll see what happens when October 9th comes around. But I, I, I think that one's a tricky spot. But I'll go Arizona as well, uh, like you did on that one. We're agreeing on too much here. All right, Dallas at right, home. So now the next three games, I got Dallas by Steelers at Texans. So you got two home games That's with a, a bye. A lot of good home cooking. I got the Eagles winning on Sunday night football against Dallas. They beat the rookie quarterback and the Steelers after the bye. Then they play the, the Texans. And if you can't beat the Texans, what are we talking about? And then I got them beating Washington at home. I got them reeling off four straight wins, three of them at home with the bye sandwiched in between. I actually looked at it, Michael, and I thought the bye is early. But I, I think it sets them up with a lot of wins early in the season. I, I really do. I think they go 7-2 and two when they go to Indy uh, on November 20th. I like them at 7-2 and two and in the division lead. I really do. Yeah, I got the loss to Dallas, primetime Sunday night. Dallas has had their number. I'm going to stick with Dallas there. Then the bye, I agree with you in Pittsburgh, rookie quarterback. I think that team's kind of in limbo right now. The Thursday night game, you luck out here. You get the short week on the road. You get a road game in the NFL, but you get to go to Houston. So that sounds like a game that you got to get. That's a prime video game, by the way. No TV, just prime video for that Thursday night one. And then the Commanders come here for Monday night football. Wentz will be back. 
and I got Philly there too. I like Philly in that one, and then you go into, you get into the month of November with that's Indianapolis is where we're at. Yeah, that's a tough month because I think going to Indy, you know, you're coming off a short week because it's Monday night football, and then you're playing Indy, and I think Indy's going to win the division this year in the AFC South. I think Indy will be back with Matt Ryan. Uh, I think he'll be a more steady hand on the till for the Colts and for Frank Reich. I had them losing at Indy, but then I had them beating Green Bay, Tennessee, and New York. Another mini winning streak, three straight. You have three in a row there. I have the loss at Indy. I got the loss against Green Bay. Tennessee, I got them beating Tennessee. Tennessee's going to be interesting. You got A.J. Brown, that whole thing. Uh, and then you got three straight road games here. They've always played well in New York. I like them against the Giants. And then yes. we're at Chicago in December. Yeah, the thing about Green Bay is I think they're going to be a completely different team. No Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams had the second most targets of any wide receiver behind Cooper Cup last year. He had 169 targets. That is a big black hole in the middle of your offense. It's like a galactic-sized black hole in the middle of your offense. I don't know how they're going to fill that. Devontae Adams was such a supreme talent. Rodgers was always looking for him. I don't know how you're going to fill that. It's just such a gigantic chunk of their offense taken away. I think they're going to be a much different team, Green Bay, and you can take them in Philly. So I like the Eagles against the Packers. There's a home game, too, by the way. That's a Sunday night. So you have a Thursday night, a, a Thursday night, a Monday night, and then a Sunday afternoon and a, and a Sunday night. So you got three out of four weeks you're going to be playing in prime time, 8 o'clock under the lights. So there you go. So then you're in. Yeah, I think Green, I think Green Bay struggles to make the playoffs. I think they make them but I don't think they're as dominant as they were last year. Devontae Adams uh, was such an important part of what Aaron Rodgers did. Okay, so now we're at Bears. Bears. This is yeah, now. This is a stretch of games, Sal. Three straight road. Giants, Bears, Cowboys. Yeah, and I got them losing two out of three. So I have them beating the Giants at MetLife. Then I have them losing at Chicago. Then I have them losing... Christmas Eve in Dallas. You like a Christmas Eve day game? You know, um, I don't know if the players are going to like it. I think I think the audience will like it. I mean, I, I just don't, you know, on Christmas Eve, I'm going to church, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> ESPN, the ESPN knows it's Southhausen Church on Christmas Eve. I, you know, that's just happening. Well, you got, so, you got the whole slate know. of Sunday games moving to Saturday except for three. So this is everybody's yeah. playing Saturday instead of Sunday that week except for three games. So this game will be you like Dallas at home, as do I. I got, uh, I got the beating the Bears, though. That Bears team, oh, man, the quarterback situation. Do you like Fields? You got to. I got to petition Marie Palantonio. That's my mom to go to church on Christmas morning instead of Christmas Eve. That's going to be a rough one. I have to get a lot of signatures on that page. It bro. is a four twenty-five game. Can you get like a, a late flight and get out there right in time for kickoff? It's going to be tough. <laughs> uh, and then going to be going to be going to be rough. So I have them ending the season with New Orleans and New York with two wins. Uh, so that's where I'm at. I got this team winning 12 ball games in 2022 and winning the division. Yeah, you are 12 and five. I had 11 and six. It looks like here. Saints game, by the way. What are you doing, Mummers or, or Saints? 
It sounds like one and the same. Yeah, they should reverse the Mummers Parade. Start at City Hall and end at Lincoln Financial, Lincoln Financial Field. Field. It's uh, like when the Saints uh, fans come in and they see the Mummers, they're going to be like they're looking at each other. It's going to be one of those Batman memes where they're pointing at each other. <laughs> yeah. Spider-Man, I should say. Yeah, so Saints. And by the way, that Saints game will have some impact because you obviously want the Saints to lose because you have that draft pick. So late in the season, that's a nice uh, little spot for them. And then the Giants to close out, which would either be a Saturday or Sunday game, TBD against a Giants team that could be leaking oil by then. No, there's no question about that. So I got them winning the last two games. And, uh, you know, not for nothing, that last game will be important because you want to get the 12 wins and you want the division title. So it won't be like last year. By the way, they will not play consecutive road games through the first 13 weeks of the season. Uh, that is pretty nice. They will not have to play back-to-back road games at all until they get to that three straight games late in the year. So there's a little quirk in the schedule as well. Now, you said, did Roseman and Lori put this together? So you like the way this thing sets up for them? I do. I'm, if I could quibble a little bit, the buy is a little bit early, but I like the way it sets up. Uh, I do. You know, they always get stuck with late-season road games in a row. It happens to them uh, every year. Uh, but they do wind up at home around uh, the, the end of the season. So so that is a good thing. You know, I always calculate, Michael, I always calculate the, the quality of the schedule, or the strength of the schedule, or the toughness of the schedule by how many Pro Bowl quality quarterbacks you are playing on the road. So at Arizona is one, that's Murray. At Indy, that's two, Matt Ryan, Pro Bowl quality at one time in his career, but you can still consider him that. And then at Dallas for Dak Prescott, you're only really playing yep. three Pro Bowl quality quarterbacks on the road all year long. So that sets up, it comes down to putting pressure on the quarterback. You and I have talked about that so much. And that's one of the things we want to see from Jonathan Gannon, the defensive coordinator this year is are they putting more pressure on the quarterback? Now, your and, guy... And you have to do it on the road against quality quarterbacks. And by the way, if you include the home games, I mean, really, uh, Aaron Rodgers is the only other guy... Well, I guess Cousins, if you're including him as a Pro Bowl-level guy. That's it. I mean, the quarterback list you're playing this year, you got a lot of question marks of quarterbacks that you're playing. But your guy, Matt Bowen, over at ESPN.com from the matchup show... He has Jordan Davis listed as one of his 10 best scheme fits of draft picks. And I know you you really like the guy. So it sounds like the matchup show crew is all on board with Jordan Davis. Yes, there's no question. I think that Jordan, well, listen, the Philadelphia Eagles somehow picked a number one wideout. That's what they traded for. A number one defensive tackle. The guy won the Outland Trophy. Uh, and the Bednarik Trophy at the University of Georgia, Jordan Davis, and the number one linebacker, the guy who won the Butkus Trophy at the University of Georgia, and Mr. Dean. So that's a pretty good draft, and I think it's going to help this football team. And, you know, you've got other pieces to the puzzle uh, that are going to help. But it comes down to this. Is the quarterback going to put the ball in the end zone more effectively? And two... 
is that D coordinator going to find ways to put pressure on the opposing quarterback better than he did last year? If those two things happen, this team will win 12 games, Mike. All right. I have 11. You have 12. A little fun on this happy hour Friday after a despicable <laughs> loss by the Sixers last night that has uh, ended their season now. All right. Let me ask you the question. I want to ask you the question before we go. How often stays or goes? I need Mike Gill on this. I got to have your well, answer. Well, Daryl Morey has already answered it. He said he's coming back. So he just said that oh. about a uh, half hour ago. All right, well. I mean, okay. do you agree with it? I would say. I care about your opinion, Mike Gill. All right. No, uh, you're fair. It's a fair. To qu- I would, if you're asking me, I would not bring him back. I, I, I think that uh, he's at the end of the line. He, he just didn't take care of himself well enough to be able to elevate this team moving forward. I just can't spend that. He's going to opt in, I think, to that 47. If he watches the tape of himself, how could he opt out of $47.5 million? Yeah, someone wants to give you that, you take it, right? Absolutely. And then you hope that you play better and get the long-term contract next year. But if he opts out of that deal, Sal Pal, I say, no, I'm not bringing him back. It's not my gill money, but it's close. <laughs> Yeah, it's close, all right, after uh, 48 hey, years. Hey, listen, thank you, to, thank you to Johnny G and the Grider team at Burger Realty in Ocean City. Can't wait to see you guys this summer down in OC. Yeah, man, Ocean City is going to be a great summer. It's going to be a great season. You got the schedule right there on a Sal Pal Friday. All right, buddy, we'll talk to you. Yes, sir. All right, Sal Pal Antonio here on the Sports Bash Live on 97.3 ESPN. Sal Pal goes 12 and f- Five, I guess that would be. 17 games, 12 wins, five losses. I have 11 and six uh, on a rough draft there. A little fun on a happy hour Friday. We need a little fun with the Sixers last night. All right, when we come back, Doc and Daryl. Will Doc be back? Daryl answered that question. Plus, James Harden. You just heard what Sal Pal asked me. Maury addresses it. We'll have the press conference next right here on the Sports Bash. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Uh, there you go, Doc and Daryl, a lot there. Worry, toughness. They have resources. They have flexibility. Didn't give a ringing endorsement for James Harden, but did kind of indicate that he would be back. Doc Rivers. I thought it was very telling that he said, we knew when the thumb happened it was going to be a struggle. He said, I knew it. Winning is hard. He'll be back. Football at four is coming up. Adam Kaplan on the other side, taking a look at the Eagles' schedule release today, uh, yesterday, last night. We'll break it all down with him, some of the ups and downs. Then we'll get back into the Eagles. Uh, the Sixers lost with Paul Hudrick next hour. And Bobby Marks, former front office member of the Nets, his thoughts tonight at 5 o'clock on how to fix the Sixers' mess.
97.3 ESPN presents the Sports Bash with Mike Gill. It's time for Football at Four with Adam Kaplan. I have real confidence that our football operations uh, can once again create a dominant football team. Powered by the Inside the Birds podcast. Now, live from inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, it's Football at Four. Football at Four is powered by the Inside the Birds podcast. It's Brought to you by Philly Sports Trips. Travel with the pros. If you're a diehard Philly fan who's looking for some great Philly sports road trips, it's time to check out the full trip lineup at phillysportstrips.com. The schedule is out. We now know where the Eagles, where and when they'll be playing. We knew where. Now we know when. Adam Kaplan uh, will take a unique little dive into the schedule. All the nuggets uh, the uh, ins and outs of where they're going, why, when, and how it was all put together here on Football at Four on the Sports Bash Live on 97.3 ESPN. All right, Adam, I'm having a little trouble. There we go. Let's get in the, uh, the uh, coming up next screen down. But I uh, see you and I hear you. So uh, the schedule is out. We know where they're going. They're heading to Detroit to start things off. And, uh, you know, we'll take a look here. But you can't ask for a much better stop on the road. They got some interesting road spots where they don't have to play a lot of playoff teams on the road. Yeah, Mike, I, I um, you know, I study these schedules. And I, I, stressing schedule to me is I always tell people the same thing every year. It has very little to do with last season. It's about what the teams look like now. I'll certainly mention if a team made the playoffs or not last year. You should mention that. But the fact of the matter is it's what does the team look like right now, okay, through coaching changes and personnel changes. That's what the team looks like now. No team ever stays the same. That's why you could jump last year. It's what the team looks like now based on all the changes from last season. So if you really look at the Eagles' schedule, Mike, it's one of the better schedules. I, you know, I, I spent about three hours this morning going through every NFL schedule. I found some quirks, some funny stuff. Some people sent some stuff to me. Look, look at how great the Eagles' schedule is. First of all, this is a this is a great nugget when I went through their schedule. They only play one game in the West Coast time zone, two in the Central, none in the Mountain time. And those games are at Dallas Central, at, at Houston Central, uh, at Arizona West Coast time. Okay. And they were at, they were at Arizona two years ago. That was the Hertz a Hertz game. We actually played pretty well. So they've got. And if you just look at their schedule, Mike, you talk about the Lions. The Eagles absolutely annihilated the Lions last year. Now, you have to understand about the Lions. Their their receiver core is much better now. This is how it's changed. They've added significant pieces on defense and at wide receiver. They have the NFL's worst receiver core last season. Uh, they're much better. Uh, when you look at week two, the Eagles' first game is at home. The first home game is, is against the Vikings on Monday Night Football. The Vikings have completely changed their team in offensive defense. Their coaching staff, new schemes in offensive defense. They're going to run a 34 defense for the first time in several decades. When you're going to change over um, a defense, it takes time. It's highly unlikely they're going to have a dominant defense in week two. That's a good time to replace them, or to, to face them. When you look at the Eagles, Mike, in the first four weeks, show me a good football team at Lions, Vikings. Both non-playoff teams. In fact, all four t- all four games, non-playoff teams last year. And by the way, I don't think these teams are that much better than the Jaguars. Oh boy, the Eagles faced Doug Peterson in Philly. The roster's better than last year, but they're not going to the playoffs. 
So you're right. This is a great start for them. Yeah, they get a good start to uh, the season, that first quarter anyway, uh, of the season there. And uh, obviously, as you mentioned here, you know, you take a look at, um, you know, you mentioned they got one of the best travel schedules. I mean, they really don't have to travel all that far. I think uh, you look at a team like Seattle who's going like 30,000 yeah. miles. Yeah. Uh, Philadelphia does not have that. I also see they not have to play back-to-back road games through the first 13 weeks of the season. So they're not having to do two straight weeks on the road. Now, they do have a three-game road trip later on in the season, but mm-hmm. uh, they don't have to do a lot of traveling those first, you know, up all the way through the month of, uh, really, December. Yeah, it's actually cool. So I got I look at streaks for teams about how many times they're away, three out of four and all this stuff. Uh, the first Two out of the first three games are away, three out of the first five. Um, and then they got, they got a run of three out of four at home weeks, four, five, and eight. And then, as you said, weeks 14 through 16 away. But they won't play consecutive road games through the first 13 weeks of the season, which is, which is crazy. And if you just look at their schedule, right, this is the way I see these, these games, just very quickly here. The only really good team that they face in the first half, now when I say really good, let me preface this. The Cardinals, are, they're gonna, Eagles are going to face the Cardinals without DeAndre Hopkins. So that changed it. So they're not going to be as good. The only team that I say, okay, they were a playoff team last season. I think they have a chance to be good, but I don't think they're going to be the 10.5 wins that uh, Vegas predict, predicts them to be. They face a, a Cowboys team. They face them in Philly week 16. I mean, excuse me, week 6. Okay, that, that's a good team. They're not a great team. But if you really look at it, the entire season, okay, they're at the Colts on November 20th. D- decent team, not great. Matt Ryan, we'll see if they could be a playoff team with Matt Ryan. They've never beaten Aaron Rodgers. Okay. After they play the Colts, that's a tough game. Derrick Henry comes in on December 4th. Guess what? A.J. Brown's playing on the other side. The the Titans are not good at wide receiver. They play the Cowboys week uh, 16. That's it, man. This is a great schedule based on where the teams are now. Yeah, I know, um, you know, you you take a look also as um, we look at they got back-to-back home games. That hasn't happened in a while to close out the year. So even late, if you need a chance to win, you're going to get two home games at the end of the schedule here. Uh, so that's, you know, they do have those three straight road games. But if you look at the road games, you, I, I mean, of the teams that are playing on the road, I, other than Dallas, I don't think anybody made the playoffs last year. Arizona. I mean, the, Mike, 11 of the team, again, you just take it for what it is because it doesn't mean a whole lot because teams the uh, Record, you know, teams change with by personnel, but eleven of the seventeen games, those teams did not make the playoffs last season. Just take it for what it is. We know that the teams have changed their rosters, but still, you got to make the point. And it's just, it's, it's just. I mean, I, I, I study this stuff pretty religiously. I know rosters pretty well. I look at the teams' rosters where I go, oh boy, that that might be a tough matchup. Dallas potentially again, Colts potentially. Packers because it's Aaron Rodgers, but they're not. They're weak at certain spots on offense. They're very, they have very good defense. Tuds have a good defense. Giants have completely new schemes on offense and defense. Bears are mediocre. Saints are mediocre. Jameis Winston's coming off a torn ACL. I, I mean, if you just look at the teams, right, that they avoided, they're not playing the Rams. Okay, they're not playing the Rams. They're not playing the Bucks. Um, they're, they're not yeah. playing the Niners, who are a very good team, very underrated. They're not playing the Ravens, who I think are going to bounce back. They're not playing the Broncos with Russell Wilson, who's been a nemesis of theirs. They're not playing the Chargers, who smoked them in Philly. Kansas City last year. 
Kansas, right. It's up, Mike, it's humble. If you just look at all 32 teams the way that they look right now, they've avoided all the landmines. Well, this has got to be one of the best schedules they've ever had on and, paper. And we saw NFL.com put out that graphic yesterday. Adam, I think it was yesterday or maybe the day before, of uh, the okay. entire NFC East has the four weakest schedules according to winning percentage. Washington and Dallas have the easiest by winning percentage. Philadelphia is next, and then the Giants. So the NFC East, they all are playing because they are matched up with the AFC South, and they are also matched up with the NFC North. So by proxy, they all are playing each other as well. They all have, quote-unquote, the four easiest schedules in the NFL based on last year's records. Right. Again, it is last year, so it doesn't mean a whole lot to see change. But some of these teams, they're... When you look at it, they're still going to be bad. Jacksonville's still going to be bad. Now, could they be a 6- or 7-win team? Maybe so, but it's still not good. The only teams I project by my strength of schedule, I do it differently than because I don't look much at last year. I look at what the teams look like now. The only teams I have that should be playoff teams that are playing the Eagles, Cowboys should be. Yep. It's a wild card. If the Eagles don't, you know, if the Eagles win the division, they should be a wild card. Tennessee, I still think, will be a wild card. They, they, they may not be as good, but remember, they were the number one seed in the AFC. Packers, they've got Aaron Rodgers. They'll be a playoff team. Uh, uh, should they win the division? The NFC North, yeah, they're the best team there. But that's it, man. Colts, okay. I mean, they're, 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 we'll see how we'll see how Matt. They didn't make the playoffs last year. We'll see if Matt Ryan's an upgrade over Carson Wentz. But there are no games that scare me. Like if I'm an Eagles fan, and, and here's another thing, I cannot believe they got five time for five prime time games. That's a I I I would love to talk to the NFL and know what they were thinking there. I'm yeah. not saying the Eagles don't deserve it. But you got to say that's a surprise. I mean, I wasn't thinking. I know the Eagles are somewhat of a national team, but wow, you don't get teams just simply don't get five primetime games unless you're the Cowboys, who I think, if I'm not mistaken, only got four. I'm going to double check this, but I think they only got four. One, two, three, four. They only got four. All right. Well, so Philadelphia has five, as you mentioned. They're going to play one on Monday night at home. To that's their home opener. They mm-hmm. will play a Sunday night game against Dallas. They will have a Thursday night game, and the Thursday night, short week, but you kind of luck out because it's on the road against Houston, who <laughs> should probably not be a very good team. The very exactly. next week, you're going to play Thursday night and then Monday night, and then two weeks later, you're right back on Sunday night. So three out of four games are going to be prime time, but five times, and I'm wondering if that indicates that maybe people think this team might be pretty good. Well, they didn't make the playoffs. We could all argue how easy their schedule was for the second half of the season, but the fact of the matter is they did make the playoffs. They made the A.J. Brown trade. That re- They're going to be better than last year, okay? They're just they're better. The roster's better. There's I mean, no way to say I mean, it's even not. right now, with, with they yeah. need some help still. I, I, yes. Aren't they significantly better than the team that left the I, field in Tampa? My only issue, I won't say significantly, because they're so bad at corner opposite Slay. You can't. You're, they're not going anywhere in the playoffs until they like. If it's James Bradbury, I know they have interest. We reported this uh, on Inside the Birds on Thursday. But they, they, like every NFL team, they put a budget. They have a a a a, a number that they would spend on them. Um, if they don't get Bradbury, you know they, that we know that the season starts in September. I know this is what teams will tell you, but they cannot line up for the season without another corner. In fact, they really need two outside corners. I know they want to look at all these young corners. But at the very least, they got to get a legitimate outside corner opposite slate, and they don't have one right now. Um, 
let's uh, real quick. We're talking with Adam Kaplan football at four. Uh, as you mentioned, the national audience five times. Uh, you get the Eagles Cowboys two on a Christmas Eve game. So all those games from Sunday, they're getting moved to Saturday for the week. They also play January first. It'll be very interesting to see the Saints fans go face to face with the Mummers. That could be like nah. the Spider-Man meme pointing at each other. Yeah, there, you know? yeah, that is funny. And, and the Eagles have they fi- they finish uh, the the season at home against the Saints and the Giants, and then before that they have the three road games. And you know what the craziest thing is? This schedule, Mike, and I know I understand because you have seventeen games. There's some very strange quirks, but y- y- this is this is crazy. The Giants only have one road game in the first six weeks. Now, technically, they have one of those six games is in England. But, again, they're only on the road technically for once in the six weeks. Wow. Yeah, and this this thing bothers me. This, I saw this morning, and I know people have written about it who cover the Steelers. How the hell do the Steelers only get, I'm sorry, the Steelers don't have any games outside the East Coast time zone. I mean, how does that happen? It's a major advantage. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I think it was uh, Pittsburgh travels the least this year. Yes. And Seattle's got to travel 30,000 miles. Now, I get well, it. They, Most of their road yeah. trips are far, but yeah. 30,000 miles is just unbelievable. And and time zones. Yeah, that, that sucks. Um, the Lions, they don't have a primetime game, and you know what? They don't deserve one. Panthers mm-hmm. play four out of their first, first five games at home, and the, the thing under Matt Rule is they started – they started very well the last two seasons. They got killed by injury. But the other problem is they don't have a very good quarterback right now. Uh, all right. You mentioned Bradbury. What do we know about that situation? A lot of people, you know, he gets released yeah. and they need a corner. So there's an obvious potential fit there. Yeah, teams think, like, he's asking for a lot of money. And, look, he's he's the top free agent corner out there. And I know he was released. The Giants wanted no part of him. They never asked to restructure his deal. They just – the Giants felt they had a trade partner. I was reported by one of the, the one of the beat reporters. I can't remember which guy it was. Uh, one of the papers that uh, the Texans they had a trade worked out with the Texans, but he would not. They couldn't reach a, a money, uh, his uh, contract with uh, revised contract with Bradbury and his agent or agents. He actually has two, so that that tells you obviously wants a, a, you know good money. Uh, you know he only turns twenty nine in August, which means he's twenty nine in NFL years. He. He play, he's his own corner who, who who's not comfortable in man. That's that's how he played majority of his career with Carolina. And you know we know the Eagles are going to mix up their coverages, which they did a lot in the second half. The Eagles led the NFL in, in uh, man and zone coverage for the first half of the season. And they play they started to play more man. So f- fact of the matter is after Bradbury is a major drop off. Now there are guys who are younger than Stephen Nelson who now is with the Texans who signed for about five million for a season. Um, the fact of the matter is Eagles have to do something. They know this. It's not a secret. My mom knows this. And they will do something by training camp. I couldn't tell you what it is because they don't know yet. They're working on it. They have some. They have a list of players. And the, the thing is, it's deeper than safety group, Mike, that's out there. It, the, the safety group's only four or five deep. The, the, the corner uh, group is 10 to 12 deep. But there's a drop-off after Bradbury. Um, all right. Uh, Eagles and Ravens. There's been some uh, whispers uh, yeah. about the, a trade uh, that might have been brought up during the draft that might have made sense for the Eagles more than the Ravens, I guess, if you're an Eagles fan, and probably for the Ravens it makes more sense. But where is that potentially uh, at right now? 
Yeah, my bad on the uh, that someone just pointed out. I forgot they beat. That was the Craig James game. Good call by the the listeners. Listen, appreciate that. Uh, they did beat Rodgers. I'm sorry, they haven't beaten Russell Wilson. Uh, I'm sorry. So, oh yeah. So we reported yesterday. I guess it's it's such an innocuous information, but people, as they tend to do, uh, blow stuff up. So here are our, our scoops that we put on the show yesterday, uh, uh, exclusively on uh, Inside the Birds was. Uh, now it's that I'll, I'll you know I could clear it I could just explain it it's very simple. Uh, the 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 Ravens were shopping Chuck Clark who's one of their starting safeties because they added two significant pieces Marcus Williams for fourteen million a year and Kyle Hamilton so Chuck Clark has started his last game for the Ravens I think we all know this so they've been trying to move him they're still trying to move him as, as I understand it and they talked to the Eagles about him but uh, I was told actually gosh I think day after the draft uh, that. The Eagles were not interested in him at that point then. Now, could it change? I, I couldn't tell you. He's not making a lot of money. His base salaries, which have no guaranteed money left, are very reasonable. Um, but they weren't interested then. And then also uh, the Ravens asked about Rager. They just wanted to see where the Eagles were with him. No offers were made. And that was it. It really was very quick. So not not no nothing earth shattering here, but people try to blow the thing up, but it was really not. A big well, deal. it's because the people don't like Rager, and I guess it's like, oh, yeah, somebody you know, was right. willing to it give you just, something you need for Rager, and you you're not interested. How dare you? No, it it it, it again. The, the, the Ravens didn't make an offer, so that it was just they inquired, and that was that. Um, it, they discussed stuff, but nothing nothing came close to happening. That's it. So I try to warn people: don't go crazy with this stuff. But st- my my. Uh, Mosher and I were playing golf yesterday, and my notifications, I think I got over 2,000 yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. I get it. I, it, I, got a, I have to tell you, I got a kick out of it. And these dueling, um, what we call them, we call them Twitter news aggregators. It's the craziest thing. Like, they just were, they were going back and forth with each other. I actually got a kick out of it. I, I don't, I don't, I don't respond to anything on Twitter anymore. So I just kind of let, I kind of look, look at that and stuff and I kind of get a chuckle. It's actually good. We got a, we got a ton of felicity for inside the bird. So we, we appreciate it. Now, was that Aaron Rodgers game? Was that a Thursday night game that they beat him? Yeah. We actually, Mosher and I did a remote, uh, in Green right Bay, I think at, it was, one of the venues. It was either Sunday night or definitely a night game. I think it was a that Thursday was a night Craig... game in Green Bay, I think they beat Remember him. now, that was the Craig James time when he made that. They Weren't they looking for um, weren't they looking for Jones, the corner, and they couldn't find him, so they put in Craig James? <laughs> Remember that one? Yeah, and, and uh, that was 2019. That was a game that, yeah. you know, they were not favored to win. They ended up winning that game. It was one of the games that kind of springboarded them to, to make the playoffs. Oh yeah! By the way, I got it. Yes, got one. I, I got to run in a minute, but one more thing I want to tell you: we must have had a half a dozen people to listen to our segment on on um, on on your show, Mike. It was actually kind of cool playing golf yesterday. We got kind of laugh out. It was really, really cool. Well, where'd you yeah. where'd you hit him? How'd you hit him? Uh, terrible for the first half. Mo Jeff hit really well, man. He, he what? It, it doesn't look like it's a good. He has this um, draw, and I don't. He says he purposely does it. So I'll have to take his work, his word on it. But he has a draw on his shot. Looks like he's going to go way left. Though he had a bunch that went way left. But man, his draw when it goes left sometimes it, it just curves. And you know how we played at Cape May? It was so windy. Uh, now what what I did is I, I had trouble. I I couldn't. I had trouble keeping my head down. Yeah. And that's why I scuffed it. But the second the the back nine, I started to get the ball up there and had some good I- shots. But. The problem is the wind. Oh, dude, I played it was Monday. Bad, miles an hour. I played Monday at Seaview. The wind was like forty miles an hour. It what? Was, how it was, the hell did you? What are you doing, it man? Was, it was the LPGA Media Day. 
So oh, I'm out there playing with that. Right. But it was probably the that. best round of golf I've ever played in my I well, hit a now, chip now, shot. Now one guy took a shot at Gil. I got to say. Oh. Guy loves you, but he goes, the guy said he's played golf. He says you stink. So. Oh, I'm terrible. <laughs> I am horrendous. So am I. So yeah. I'm a tennis guy, man. I got three mat- two matches this weekend. So oh, I said, this is the first round of golf that I could play that I can say that I wasn't bleeping bad. I was just bad. Oh, good. Well, you know what? That's a start, and congratulations on that. I hit a chip shot from 25 yards out, bounced once on the green, right to the cup. Nice, dude. I should nice. have gone out like uh, Costanza, gone out in a high note. Right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. All right, Adam Kaplan, football at four on this Friday edition here on the schedule release yesterday. Adam, have a good one, pal. You got it, man. All right, uh, a lot of people down uh, playing golf in Cape May apparently yesterday. Yes, I have no shame about uh, saying that I stink at golf. I'm terrible. I would never sit here and lie about that. No way. I'm horrible. But I think I played, and in, in PT said this on Tuesday, I think I played my best round of golf that I ever played on Monday. I think it was the best round I ever, ever played. Serious. And I said, I wasn't good. I was just not bleeping bad. I was just bad. They used my shot probably... I don't know, 18 holes. We probably used, I don't know, a couple holes we used only my shot. First time ever. (laughs) All right, headlines on the way. Plus, Hudrick was at both press conferences, all the press conferences today. We'll see if we can get him to pop on. He might still be up there. So, I don't know. Uh, He said he's going to kind of be in a fluid situation. I don't know who else is talking today. Anybody after Doc and Daryl? All right, more sports bash on the way. Now, back to the sports. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, 428 headlines, uh, quick edition of the headlines. We'll have Paul on in just a little bit to hear his perspective on what we heard in the press conferences. So let's hit on a couple of key stories. Well, I want to start with the NFL schedule topic here to continue your conversation with Adam there. So Mike North is the NFL's vice president of broadcast planning. Last night on NFL Network, he explained that there's actually a reason why some teams have these ridiculously poor road trips that are off the chart insane. Adam just brought that up, that Pittsburgh doesn't have like any out of the East Coast time zone, and Seattle's traveling 30,000 miles. Right. So apparently, the according to uh, NFL's, what is his title again? Vice President of Broadcast Planning. Basically... Now that COVID is not an issue when it comes to concerts anymore, this is supposed to be one of the biggest concert seasons in years. Wow. Makes sense. Apparently, Elton John is taking over multiple NFL stadiums on a tour for him, which include affecting the Panthers schedule, the 49ers, and the Falcons. Uh, Some artist named Bad Bunny, who I've never heard of. Oh, Bad Bunny. He's a WWE performer sometimes. Okay, well, good for Bad Bunny. Well, Bad Bunny is affecting the Raiders... And Rams schedule this season with big concerts. And you can't forget about Lady Gaga, who has apparently an 
18-week tour on deck. And uh, Elton John could actually be collaborating with her on their tours together. Yeah, well, keep in mind, nobody had concerts for about two and a half years. Right, well, that's part of what Mike North's point was. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, North went on to say that the uh, the stadium operators are like, yeah, we're going to put the concert here, unquote, to which the NFL responded, hang on a minute. Do we get to say it any of this? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. um, As Sal Powell said with us earlier, he said, uh, what did Jeff Laurie and Howie Roseman put this schedule together? It's set up very nicely for them. Well, if you go by the conversation from NFL Network last night, apparently, according to the story that I'm reading on Yahoo Sports, uh, I guess the Eagles don't have a bunch of concerts this fall. Well, it looks like uh, the link... Philadelphia fans will not get these uh, Lady Gaga Bad Bunny Elton John's. Is he going to play at Citizens Bank Park? That is not on the list here. That's according to this story. So it is what it is, right? Yeah. Uh, I got a little basketball news for you. It also involves the Phillies. Ben Simmons has finally sold his mansion. His 10,500 square foot mansion with six bedrooms and six and a half baths on 1.78 acres. Which, in in Jersey? Yes. Oh, wow. Approximately 40 minutes. Did anybody know, was it somebody of like substance who bought it? Wasn't somebody looking at it? Like uh, There Nick is Castellanos? somebody of substance who bought it. I'm laying the groundwork here. The house has been on the market for six months. Simmons have been trying to sell it for three million along with his condo in Center City. But according to reports, Simmons, who bought the house in 2019 for $2.375 million, was able to flip it for $4.5 million, selling it to Phillies outfielder Nick Castellanos. I thought I heard that Castellanos was buying his house. Yeah. According to reports, the price went up because Simmons made extensive renovations and additions to the place. He had a massive kitchen makeover. He added a wine cabinet in the dining room and customized the rec area with a walkout basement. The rec area includes a theater room, pool room, and custom esports gaming area, along with a bar and a kitchenette. Apparently, Simmons claimed that the expen- expansion cost him over a million dollars to do, to which apparently Cassianos didn't blink an eye. <laughs> Who makes more money, Castellanos or... Uh, <laughs> I mean, Castellanos Simmons. is making over $100 million, and so is Ben Simmons, so I guess they're about the now, same. Let me ask you, if you were making the money that those guys... I know it's easy to, like... To, it, it, it's, like, hard to even envision, like, when you have that amount of money, the purchase that you would make. Right. But do you think that you would make a purchase of a house of that substance? Probably not. Like, what would be the thing that you're like, I have this much money that I can just piss away. I mean, because my thing is, why I don't want to buy a house for that much money and then move out one day. You know what I mean? Like, to me, if you're going to spend that kind of money, that's like, I'm there. I'm not leaving this place. House. I don't know that they're planning on leaving that house. Circumstances come up. Well, here's the thing. Ben Simmons have built a loft in the city and this mansion. Yeah, see, I'm not like one of those people that like needs like this gigantic house. I don't need, like, some fancy new car. You know, my car's fine. The car that I'm driving for the last 10 years, I have no problem with it. I'm okay. I don't need to get a new car. If you offered me a new car, I'd be like, eh. I mean, you probably need to replace your car, honestly. (laughs) You think? 
It's only got 110,000 miles on it. Barely go anywhere. Um, one more story for you. So, as you know, Chris Long hosts the Greenlight Podcast. Yeah. And I was listening to it this morning, and I kind of had to hit the rewind button at a certain point. So, apparently, Chris Long had ESPN's Jeff Passan on the show because he was like, I want to talk baseball with a baseball guy. And Jeff Passan, he said, is my only baseball friend. So, he explained to Passan on the podcast that he is planning because the Oakland A's are in such a horrible situation with their attendance that he is planning on buying out half the stadium one night for below market value on the on the third market and just loading him and a bunch of buddies of his for a green light podcast party to take over part of the stadium just so there's, as he calls it, quote, noise in the arena for the players. <laughs> How many people is he bringing? Well, he was explaining on the podcast that they're only typically getting a couple thousand people. I know that, but how many people was Long bringing? He wants to try to bring tens of thousands of people. Gee, where does he get these people? He thinks that he's going to find a bunch of people who will go to a game for free. Just he's tweet just it out? Because basically, according to him... Hey, tweet it out and meet us there. Basically. But, like, basically you have to be, like, a follower of the podcast, though. Like, you got to be, like, a Chris yeah. Long follower on Twitter. Truly, the gotta podcast be. does pretty well. Yeah. But I thought it was funny that he said that he's basically going to buy a bunch of tickets for five bucks each on the, on the open market. Because apparently, right now, some A's games, you can get in there for two bucks. Gotcha. All right. Good stuff. I like that story. If I was in Oakland, I'd go. Right. Right? Just hang out. Uh, when we come back, Paul Hudrick, what's next for the Sixers now? What kind of vibe did he get from the press conferences today? We'll ask Paul Hudrick inside the Sixers next. Now, back to the... Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Free ESPN. Right, 441 Sports Bass Live, 97.3 ESPN. The 97.3 ESPN free mobile app. Hit me up on the text board. Bobby Marks, ESPN, going to join me at 5 o'clock tonight. Their ESPN front office insider. If he was in the front office, how would he answer some of the big questions for the 76ers? Doc and Daryl tried to answer some of them today. Daryl Morey announced that Doc would be back next year. He gave a pretty uh, strong statement on that. So it would be pretty surprising, at least to see the Sixers side of things, not have him come back. I mean, if Doc decides, hey, I don't want to be back, maybe that's some way that Doc's not back. But Daryl Morey did say that... Doc Rivers would be back next year. He also indicated pretty strongly that James Harden would be back. Now, he didn't say how. You know, is James Harden going to opt into the $47.4 million contract extension? Um, Player option, I should say, not extension. Harden could just opt in and answer all the questions. If he just says, hey, I want to be back, he's back. And he indicated last night that he was coming back. There was a lot of questions about that. When he first got traded here, would he opt back into the contract? Um, Now, well, he's got an opportunity to do that. 
And we'll see if he makes that decision when the Sixers basically, you know, they have a situation where if he opts out of the deal, James Harden, they really got to make a decision on whether or not they want to bring him back. Maury today said, quote, the plan is to have him back. That's been the plan since the trade. He went on to say, obviously, we have to work with his representation, and that'll be between us to figure out how that works. Guy had two shots last night. He scored 11 points, two shots in the second half. James Harden's simply not the same player, right? He was not aggressive. And in this Miami series, he certainly... You know, the Sixers traded Ben Simmons because he was a guy who was not aggressive. Well, he didn't want to be here, but people wanted Ben Simmons traded. And then they got the same output from James Harden in a very big game last night. So let's bring in Paul Hudrick um, here from the Liberty Ballers. Of course, he joins us to talk a little bit about the press conferences that we saw today. Doc and Daryl, we had them both right here on 97.3 ESPN. All right, Paul Hudrick, um, let me start with... The theme of last night carried over to today seemingly is the toughness and the physicality of this team. When you leave this series, is that number one on your offseason list? I think it has to be when you hear just about every single player mention it, when you hear the coach and the GM both agree with it. Um, it, It seems pretty clear that there is... One, I would say something, some, some, something, some things missing on the roster as far as the construction of the team goes. And I think that's very fair. Uh, again, you look at Miami and what we've talked about a ton is they have like 10 to 12 playable rotation playoff players. The Sixers don't barely had four. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's already a huge disadvantage. So I think that's a big part of it. I think. As I think you made the point the other day, I think they were probably a little worn down the Sixers because they're asking so much of those top four guys, and Miami doesn't have to do that, right? Like, Jimmy Butler is great, and Jimmy Butler carries a big load for them, but he's not doing it by himself, and he's getting contributions from different guys on different nights. Do they seem, worn, guys are do they seem worn out? Even 49-48 at halftime, I felt they looked spent. No, I agree. And I, I'll, I'll say that, and this isn't to make an excuse, but I do think... They went, you know, they started the game down 7-0, came back and scored the next seven points. When Danny Green goes down, you just felt yeah. it, 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 it was deflating because they were playing pretty well at that point. Their pace was really good. They really played hard. And then you see a guy like Danny who has worked so hard, who's dealt with injuries all year, who is an emotional leader on this team. You see him go down. And again, not you got to fight through it, right? Like if you're, if you're a playoff team, if you're a championship caliber team, you have to fight through stuff like that. But I definitely sensed when that happened that the air was sucked out of the building a little bit, that there was some life sucked out of the team for sure. Uh, Maury mentioned resources and flexibility, that the team gives them the resources. They have flexibility. Where do they have resources? What flexibility do they have? Maybe Daryl knows something I don't. <laughs> I, he mentioned it. He mentioned it multiple, multiple times. times. No, you're right. He did. Um, I mean, they do have. I think they do still have a little bit of that taxpayer MLE that they can spend. Um, they have done. He referenced it. They've done. You know, they they did sign Andre Drummond last year on a minimum deal. If you can find kind of a guy in that mold who can help you, who is just looking kind of ring chasing that kind of player, sure, that can help. You have 
contracts that are movable. Um, you know, he's not going to flat out say that, obviously, Darren Morey, but you have Danny Green on a non. You know, now he's got a torn ACL. He's probably going to miss most of the season, but maybe you can use him with another asset in a contract to match salaries. You have Furkan Korkmaz who's around the $5 million mark, I believe. That's a pretty tradable salary. Uh, any of your young guys you can move and, and you know, combine a couple of contracts and make that work. And then, of course, Tobias Harris. Um, if, if you can... And Tobias, I don't want to take much away from Tobias. I thought he was pretty consistent. He was pretty darn good in the playoffs for the most part. I thought he struggled towards the end as well, which, again, might have been the result of just him being, you know, um, stretched out a little too thin. But I think if Maury has an opportunity to move on from Tobias and get viable depth, I think he'll do that. To me, like, the the only – like, Joel Embiid's back – Tyrese Maxey, unless you're talking a super, super, superstar they're getting in return, I believe he's back. I think James Harden is back. I, I don't see a is way. he opt back into the deal? Is that a no-brainer I, for him? I don't know that he's going to opt back in, but I think he's going to – I think they're going to find common ground on an extension and maybe not. I, I've heard the, the rumor I've heard was like three years at 90, which it's – you know, I, I know some people are like, oh, that's way too much, but I think – I think it's understanding the CBA and how things work. And like, I, I think if you, if you let James Harden walk, you can't just spend that money, right? Like he's your player. So that factors in, so you can spend more money on him and go over the cap to resign him. You can't really do that in, in other ways. So, right. So wait, just let- for, just for the listeners, Paul, mm-hmm. that money, that was Simmons money, right? That four year deal, right. you swapped it with Harden. If Harden elects to opt out of the deal, and those dollars are off the books. They don't get another max deal to replace that. That is correct. Uh, so unless they get off of Tobias Harris's money somehow, like that's you're working with what you're working with. So that's why I think I do believe James Harden. They, they find a way to make it work, and and maybe he it isn't a max deal he signs, and maybe it is a little bit less money, and that gives them more flexibility down the road. I'll say and like, but I think Mike, what what I was trying to get to is like. Those three guys, Embiid, Maxi, Harden, I think are your core. Like those are your three guys you're going to go forward with. It's not. It's a pretty good situation to be in compared to a lot of other teams. Yeah. I think everything else is on the table. Clearly, their depth needs to get so much better. They need to invest in some wings. Um, you see, like a team like Dallas, they have you know Dorian Finney-Smith and a guy like a Reggie Bullock. The Sixers could use one of those guys. I well, mean, they could use multiple of those kind of guys. So I think that that's where we're at right now. This feels a lot like the year they lost to Boston, and they beat the Heat, and then they lost to the Celtics when a lot of people felt like, oh, you know, you beat the Heat and beads back, you're going to blow through Boston too, and then Boston just out-athleted you. You had no wings. And then the next offseason, they went out and got uh, Wilson Chandler, and they just tried to find, like, wings to play. Like, they were trying to find, like, okay, well – we got out physical by the Heat. Let's go get guys that we think are tough. I wonder if this offseason is a similar offseason where they just try to find some tougher, gritty role players. I know last night uh, Embiid mentioned a guy like Mike Scott, like that level of player. Like, is that what this offseason is going to look like? I think you definitely need guys like that, right? And it's funny, like, I feel like a couple years ago, or not a couple years ago, last year, uh, when P.J. Tucker was on the market, when he was on the Rockets and you and I talked about it, you asked me if, if I loved the, if, if I would want PJ Tucker. I said, without hesitation, please get PJ Tucker here. And a lot of people pushed back. Oh, he's 36 years old. Oh, he, he only shoots like 34% for three this year. 
I think a lot of Sixers fans wouldn't wouldn't mind having P.J. Tucker on this team right now. This guy is a player, and I do. I think you need guys like that. You For, like, the lack of a better term, you need guys with dog in them. Like, you need guys who are going to fight for every loose ball, who are going to scrap, who are, who are smart, who know the role, who thrive in the role. You need guys like that. And, yeah, I think the emphasis is going to be on finding – multiple guys who fit that to go along with the, those core three guys I, I mentioned off the top. Doc Rivers admitted today that he knew when the thumb happened that it was going to be a struggle. Essentially, you know, I'm not kidding anybody. When he hurt that thumb, I kind of knew we weren't good. We weren't good enough. So were they saying, look, if we had a healthy Embiid, we're every bit as good as that team and maybe Boston and Milwaukee. I don't think, I think more so Doc was just trying to say he wasn't looking that far ahead, but I think he was looking at the Heat series. He certainly tried to emphasize, hey, Joel Embiid sure. had a broken face and he tore his thumb and sure. that's not which minimize I think, that. Listen, uh, yeah, I, which I think is fair to an extent, right? Like if the Heat didn't have Jimmy Butler and, and, and Joel Embiid was perfectly healthy, I think it's pretty fair to think that, that series would go in a completely different direction, right? Uh, despite the Heat's depth, despite the Sixers' lack of depth. If you swap that out where Jimmy Butler's playing with a broken face and a torn ligament in his thumb and Joel Embiid's 100 percent or, you know, Jimmy's dealing with some stuff. He had a he had that knee issue, but he was clearly he looked pretty darn good to me. Um, so if you reverse that, I think you feel pretty good about the Sixers chances. So I don't think Doc was really off base in saying that. But uh, I but I'll, I'll say this, too. I don't think Doc was saying that to say, Oh, well, if we had Embiid, we would have been fine. Like he, he agreed. There are issues with this team. There are depth issues. We need more. Like this roster was not good enough to get us to where we wanted to go. We are sitting here today, not because Joel Embiid's face is hurt, although, you know, that was a factor. We're sitting here today because we simply weren't good enough. I think everybody, uh, the players, Darren Morey, Doc Rivers, all acknowledge that fact. So I don't think there, it's, I, I, I don't think it's excuse making necessarily. I think it's more, um, just saying, like, you know, it's fair to account for the fact that Joel Embiid did not play the first two games and was not himself. All right. Uh, Paul Hedrick, Liberty Ballers. What was the vibe you got from Harden, the Harden situation, his time here? It obviously wasn't what they had hoped for. I thought Daryl was – didn't give him a ringing endorsement today. I mean, he's yeah, he'll be back. He's James. He's great. But when asked uh, – he was asked a couple of times about – well, is he a different player now? Is he a facilitator now? He doesn't want to come out and say, well, yeah, James Harden's not the player we thought he was. It seems like. So what's the vibe around Harden's relationship, like wanting to be here, him and Embiid? How do you make sense of that? It's similar to Butler, who was here for a short amount of time, and we thought, yeah. well, Butler really seemed to like it here until, well, it's either him or me, and someone's got to go. Well, I guess it's me. Right. I think the Butler situation was a lot messier for a lot of reasons because I think Jimmy Jimmy obviously loved Joel Embiid, but I'm not sure if he loved anyone else involved with the Sixers. Maybe J.J. Redick, I guess, at that point, and that's really about it, yeah. right? Like he, And he also hated cold weather. So all that you know, was kind of working against the Sixers. But no, um, yeah, with James, I, it's tough because I think a lot of what – like uh, personally, I, I just – I thought James – gave a lot of bad answers last night. Like, I, I don't think he sat there and was accountable. And I, I I thought some of, frankly, just some of his answers weren't very good. And I thought he kind of skirted some questions. But I think coming off a, a series like that where it was really emotional and, you know, you, you lose and you you go through everything you went through. And, and James, too, I, he didn't hide from the fact. I will say 
he eventually did give a good answer where he talked about the fact that the last two years of his life basically were tumultuous. You know, the trade from Houston to Brooklyn, the hamstring getting hurt in the playoffs, him still not fully recovering from the hamstring, and then the trade, which again, he asked for these trades, so you can't, you don't feel sorry for the guy, but it is the reality that that these things kept continue to happen. So, um, and he wasn't anticipating the Kyrie situation to go down the way it went down, right? So, I mean, all those things, um, I, I think he had a, a really tough couple of years. So, I think there is on the Sixer side of things, and in, in James Harden side of things, I think there is some optimism that with a with this off season to to be able to, you know, with the hamstring healing. He'll be able to focus on playing basketball and get his runs in during the offseason like he didn't get to last year. He'll have, you know, the offseason to know, okay, I'm here. I'm playing with Joel Embiid. I'm playing with Tyrese Maxey. Let's go. Like, let's see what that looks like. Um, But I think if you're a fan, I certainly understand your weariness. I mean, it was it it was rough to watch last night. It's it's the. It is it is a risk. It is 100 percent a risk to bring this guy back at, at this point in his career and the way he looked last night and the way he looked during stretches um, as a sixer. But as I mentioned already, I I don't see another path where where Sixers fans will like it. You know what I mean? Like if it's not James Harden, I don't know who it is. And it, it's certainly not going to be a star. So I think you almost have to bank on the fact that, all right, let's get James Harden healthy. Let's have him play kind of the the the, the one B role for Joel Embiid and, and be more of the facilitator. Help Tyrese Maxey and his kind of ascension into stardom and let the chips fall where they may after that. All right, Paul Hudrick will be back on Monday. We'll have plenty more to dive into. Uh, the second half of this whole novel will start to be written. Doc's going to be back, we guess. Uh, Daryl's going to bring Harden back, we think. Uh, all that more here on Monday's edition of Inside the Sixers. Paul Hudrick, Liberty Ballers for all the off-season sad information you need at Paul Hudrick on Twitter. Thanks, bud. You got it, Mike. All right, Bobby Marks will join me coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. ESPN front office insider. How would he construct this Sixers team? What decisions would he make? What are the key decisions? Is Harden even one of the biggest decisions for this team? If you were Bobby Marks, what would you do? He joins me next here on the Sports Bash Live. ESPN front office insider Bobby Marks, former assistant general manager with the then New Jersey Nets. Hey, check out our website, 973ESPN.com, and get the 973ESPN free mobile app for all the latest Sixers off-season news, Eagles scheduling information, Eagles off-season news, and of course the Phillies. Yes, they won last night. They blew it somehow. Phillies, the spotlight's on you now, buddy. More Sports Bash on the way. This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN. Now, live inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. As you heard right here on 97.3 ESPN, the Sixers went down to the heat last night. How should they approach the offseason? Well, Doc and Darrell already spoke today. Daryl Morey said Doc Rivers will be back. He also said James Harden will be back. In what is seemingly an annual second-round exit conversation with ESPN's Bobby Marks, he joins me right now. 
uh, to take a look at what's next for the future of the Sixers. I feel like we're having this conversation every year after this round, Bobby, and they seemingly keep going the same way. Frustration, not tough enough, not deep enough. Uh, second verse, same as the first with Philadelphia, huh? Yeah, I mean, I don't recall, you know, watching a, a press conference like I did last, you know, certainly the parade of players coming in and, you know, mental toughness, not tough enough. Uh, you know, I, that, from what I know, that's not fixable, right? Like, I don't know, you know, it's basically you got to change the parts of, uh, of the roster there to, you know, bring in guys that are, are a little bit tougher and, you know, can do a little bit of the, the dirty work here, which we certainly didn't see in game five and six here. But, um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting offseason. You know, I know during that press conference, um, you know, uh, Daryl said that Doc will be back. And I, you know, considering that, you know, Doc was sitting next to him, I don't know what Daryl else could have said. You, <laughs> <Right>. know? <laughs> you know, like, what you, the guy sitting right next to him, no, he's not going to be back. Or I'm going to think about it here. So, yeah, I mean, but, you know, as you know, it all starts with, um, you know, what happens with um, Harden uh, as far as what the, the next, you know, what this contract could look like. All right, so in your mind, obviously Philadelphia's got a lot going on. The coaching situation, yeah. there's a lot happening. You got in beat last night who poured it all out there. You know, <laughs> oh, we're not tough enough. Uh, I miss Jimmy Butler. Harden's not the same guy he was in Houston. Stop pointing the finger at the coach in the front office. It's on us. I mean, he laid it all out there last night. What is Daryl Morey, if he's in the room by himself, what is his checklist looking like? Well, you're right. I mean, and Joel even mentioned that. I think they asked what the accomplishments that Daryl has done, and <laughs> Seth Curry and Andre Drummond as the two the two guys that aren't even here anymore. So I think I don't know if that was a shot at the front office there, but of course, the, you know, the big thing is going to be as far as you know, it will harden up into the contract if he if he doesn't. Yeah, the only way he's not going to opt in is if there's a. You know, there's a balloon payment, or there's a there's a contract waiting for him at potentially um, potentially less less money. And I think I think if you're Philadelphia, you're you're presenting it two different ways. I think you're you're saying, hey, you can opt out. We'll work on a contract at a significantly less money. You know, maybe is it 25 million a year? You know, in between 27 million dollars a year, um, and you can get some financial security on the, the back end of your contract, or you can opt in, and, and there, there's no guarantee that that next contract is going to be waiting for you when you become a free agent because I don't see how um, a $223 million extension would be, ever be on the table for, for James Harden or even a, you know, a $270 million new contract if he decided to opt out. I think those are, I think those are non-starters right now, and I think if you're Philadelphia, it's like, can you get him back at a little bit of a, a significantly lower number? and to give you some some flexibility as far as what else you can kind of add to the roster. All right, now that's an interesting one. So let's say Harden opts out of the deal, 47.4 yeah. First off, do you think he will opt out of the $47 million? Does he look at himself and say, I don't know that I'm getting that anywhere. I'll take the forty-seven and and play on that? I think he – I think he um – he the only way he opts out is if the contract that Philadelphia is going to be offering him um, – you know, you know, he is content with, and you know, I think the big thing is what, what does James Harden see himself as right now? Right, that's the that's the big thing. Does he still see himself as an All NBA player? And you know, I think you know, at times I think he looks certainly looks like an All Star game. Uh, you know, was at Game Four, he looked like an All Star game six against Toronto. Uh, he did, but he's not you know that elite score anymore, and that's hard for a player to kind of kind of look yourself in the mirror here. So. 
that's going to be the big thing. There's not a there's not a team out there that will offer James Harden four years, one hundred ninety million dollars. Okay. I don't see that. In you know, out of the, I mean, they're, they're all basically rebuilding teams. I I don't see that at all happening here. So if you're Harden, as I said, like you kind of look at it to try to protect, um, you know, finance you know, your future finances here. And if he doesn't see it that way, then then yeah, he'll basically opt into the contract and you, and you, you basically play it out on an expiring deal. Uh, Bobby Marks, ESPN's front office insider. Um, does it make it more difficult or easier the relationship that Maury and Harden have? I mean, does Maury say, listen, man, you got to work with me here. I can't get the owner to sign this contract based on what you did. I love you, buddy, but you got to work with me. Or does that make it more difficult that he's got a relationship with him and he's basically got to tell this guy you're not as good as you used to be? Well, I think it makes it a little bit easier, and I know that there's going to be some tough conversations between Daryl and, and James as far as you know, certainly the off season, how to get his body right, um, you know, going into next year. I think there's a familiarity as far as you know, having you know traded for him in Houston, having worked with him for eight or nine years, kind of knowing the buttons to push. I think that the, 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 what the challenge part is is that you know Harden technically doesn't have an agent. You know, I think it's one of his. Is one of his, you know, confidants, uh, his business manager, kind of handling everything. And, and if you remember, when he got traded from uh, Houston to, uh, to to Brooklyn, he basically he hired Wasserman, you know, group out in L.A. as kind of like a hired gun to get him traded, and then let him go like a couple months later. So that's going to be the interesting thing as far as who is Daryl actually negotiating with? Is it with James Harden? Mm-hmm. Um, is it his confidant? Um, you know, it's a little bit, it, that, you know, that, that becomes a little bit tricky there. Yeah, and obviously uh, and that's at the top of the list because if you let, if Harden opts out and then you just can't tell him and you let him walk, yeah. where are the Sixers then? Well, you're basically staring at the same roster you had, you know, which was what 32 and 23 back in, um, you know, back in February without, um, without, uh, you know, Seth Curry and, and Drummond here, and you're minus, you know, those two picks there. Uh, that's that's where you're basically, and you're, and you're basically kind of staring at, you know, mid-level type money, um, and the following year you can kind of open up a, you know, a, you know, some money, which is 2023, which would you you be. You would be waiting for, so that's kind of where, you know, that would would be happening if, if um, you know, certainly if if you know Harden left, you know, left that money on the table, go sign somewhere else, or maybe he has to, you know, do a sign trade, which I don't think is possible here. So it doesn't, you know, just especially when you have Embiid and you know Tobias Harris on your, um, yeah, on your books, it doesn't, you know, all of a sudden, you know, open up a, a forty-seven million dollars slot. Right, I think that's something for the listeners and the and the Sixers fans to understand is if if Harden decides not to come back, they don't all of a sudden get another max slot that opens back up for them, which puts them in the spot as you said. They're basically the team they were at the start of the year minus Curry and Drummond, and then they lose a two pick. So you're looking at a team that might not even be a, I don't know, maybe you're a play in team at that point, right? Yeah, I mean, I think if you they a big picture, I mean. Probably something that Sixers fans don't want to hear is that you're you were you were in better shape a year ago than where you were right now, and that was after losing to Atlanta in in games in Game Seven because there were still the value the value of Ben Simmons is is higher than the value of James Harden as far as from a certainly from a from a trade perspective here, um, and it certainly had a less number, and you had him on a three year you know three year deal. I mean, I understand why the trade was made, and we all we all we all did, and we thought that. It could certainly work, but I don't think any of us 
you know, would have thought that the drop off of Harden was so significant that we saw in this, um, you know, that we saw in this Miami series. Do are we at the? Do we think that Maury was so fixated on getting Harden? Was there a better deal out there, but he just wasn't willing to listen to because he was so fixated on reuniting with Harden? I think Daryl in that front office viewed James Harden as a top 15 player, and in reality, he wasn't. Um, I mean, if you watch him play in New- in Brooklyn this year, uh, you know, whether it be the hamstring, he struggled. I mean, he struggled uh, mightily. He played better when, um, you know, when that team, you know, when Durant was injured and he basically had to carry them um, around Christmas time. But at the drop-off, you could start seeing it significantly um, in, in, um, in Brooklyn. And I think... If you're Philadelphia, you're thinking, you know, what? Hey, maybe you know, you know, we can, you know, with him and Embiid, you know, we can get the Harden of, of old here, and, and that just never happened. Yeah. Um, when Maury first got here, Bobby Marks is with us, ESPN.com uh, NBA front office insider here. When when he first got here, he made some moves that a lot of people applauded: Al Horford, Josh Richardson. Is that? how he's going to have to improve this team, a move that you don't foresee happening. Is that their only way to improve? He mentioned today on multiple occasions, we have the resources and the flexibility. Is there something we're missing? Well, I mean, you're top heavy with contracts. I mean, when you have three guys making north of a hundred and with Embiid, Tobias and, and Joel, and then you're basically, you know, you'll probably have that kickback in the, uh, in July, I think. That, I mean, in June, I think the Nets likely will probably defer it until 2000. I mean, I would, I would, I'd love to have an unprotected first. You know, who knows what will happen there? So you do have that. And he, you know, he did make reference as far as, you know, they're basically going to have to sign guys to the veteran minimum exception. And you know that, you know, as you know, like there's a, you know, there's a bunch of downside with that. It's you know, you're you're, you're going to sign you know, maybe four or five guys here, and there's no guarantee as far as what you're going to get. So. I don't know about the resources as far as, you know, they're limited. I mean, you know, the, the likelihood is that you probably lose Danny Green. He's on a non-guaranteed. He just came out that he's got a, a torn ACL. Um, that gets you under the luxury tax because you would be in a tax with Green uh, under contract here. So I think it's, it's it'll probably start with what's the value of Tobias Harris. Yep. You know, that you've got this year and next year, you know, about 70 Seventy-five, seventy-six million dollars a year. I don't think you want to just dump him for anything, and, and maybe that turns into something, you know, similar to when you did the Al deal back, you know, back in two, two years ago. Right. I was going to say, are we at the point where the Harris deal is at least somewhat tradable? I mean, I guess when you first sign that thing, you're looking at, oh my God, how are you getting out of this thing if he doesn't play well? Well, he's played okay. He hasn't been awful, but he's not the level of player that is contract. So can you at least pick up the phone? Will people listen at least at that contract now? Yeah, I mean, every contract is, you know, tradable. I just think it's a matter of what you're going to get, what value you're going to get. Or is there a is there a free agent out there who says, you know what, one of these more teammates says, I want to go to Philly and play with Embiid, and then you're looking maybe just to kind of, you know, get rid of the money. Um Doc said he knew when the thumb happened that they were going to struggle. So in other words, you know, hey, Embiid's hurt. How much does that take it into account when you go into an off season to to talk about this? Hey, you know, we went into this series, we got beat, we got out physical, we weren't tough, but Joel Embiid had a broken face in it. Like, is that something that is highly considered when putting your plan together for for the next season? I think you look at it. You know, the twenty eight games with Harden. I think there were nineteen and nine um, since they acquired him, and then you look at what changed. You know, in that Toronto series, and then certainly in the. Um, 
you know, Philly and the Miami series, and you didn't have um, Embiid for those two games. So I think you're looking at, you know, the, I think you're trying to find some positives as far as what's Harden on the court. And then what what was the drop off? What did teams do differently? Was it just kind of game planning? Was it because it was a you know playoff series and it's it's a little bit easier to kind of game plan against one um, you know, against one one player here? Bobby, uh, you said you know the coach is sitting right next to him. What else is he going to say? <laughs> is is that necessary? Do they have to take a long, hard look at whether Doc Rivers is the right guy to come back? I think whenever you lose in, in the second round and you don't get to a conference finals or an NBA finals, I think you have to look at, take a hard look at everything. I mean, you have to. I mean, it's only fair to the organization that you have a complete audit starting with your players and then kind of figuring and then talking with, uh, you know, figuring out with your coaching staff. And I think, you know, ownership will, you know, I watch these, I mean, you watch these games, ownership's sitting right there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're basically in the huddle. They know what's going on here and they'll have a role as far as what um, happens. And I think Doc, you know, who knows what happens with the Lakers or one of these other teams that there's an opening and he looks at us and you know what? LeBron and AD is a little more appealing than Embiid and, and Harden here. So, you know, we'll see what happens uh, with, with him there. All right. Uh, a lot of decisions to make this offseason. Seems like it's an annual thing here. The, the circus comes to town every year right about <laughs> May 15th in Philadelphia, Bobby. Yeah, I know. I know. And I would like to say, hey, it's going to get better. But, like, we're kind of, like, in that feeling that whole, that little bit of that holding pattern again. Uh, the last, I guess, question would be concerning in Bede. Would people around the league be shocked if he said, you know what? Maybe it's time for me to move. I don't think we're there yet. I, I don't. I mean, we haven't even. That Supermax hasn't even kicked in yet. Um, I think if if we get through this another year and you know things really go haywire and this team you know maybe struggles and you know he has to look himself and say like I've I've done everything I can and we're still not doing a good enough job as far as surrounding the pieces. I mean, you know, I'd love to see him get through a playoff series healthy. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that, that, I'd love to see. I'd love to see the Joel, the regular season dominant Joel beat in a. In a um, you know, in a, in, a, in a playoff series for, you know, not just the first round, but, you know, rounds two and three. That would be nice. One of these years, we can all dream. He's going to be almost 30 years old. Hard to believe. Uh, Joel Embiid uh, out in the second round again. Bobby Marks, check out his full piece on the Sixers offseason approach over at ESPN.com. Bobby, always a pleasure, bud. I appreciate it. Thanks. All right, Bobby Marks, his uh, offseason approach for the Sixers. Now, some of the things he has listed in here talks about the eye test and the analytics confirming Harden's struggles. Per ESPN stats and information, Harden finished the season shooting 47% on two-pointers. It's the second worst number in his career. 9.6 of his shot attempts were blocked this year. That's the highest, including the regular season and the playoffs. He got by his defenders on 44% of his drives in 2019-2020 that season. This year, he's only getting by his defender 29% of the time. It went from 44 to 29. It's a pretty big drop. 33% on three-pointers. It's the worst percentage of his entire career. And 48% on transition field goal attempts. It's the worst field goal percentage on transition shots since the league began tracking it in 2013-2014. It's clear. And most alarmingly, as Bobby Marks 
notes over at ESPN.com. He shot under 50% on layups and dunks. That's almost unfathomable for a guard that can score the basketball like James Harden. Those numbers there, if the Sixers, and I would imagine they have this information, take a look at that information. It's a hard sell to Josh Harris and the ownership group. Hey, we got a guy who's declined tenfold. We've got a guy who's absolutely not the same player that we traded for. 609-403-0973-609-403-0973. You guys out there, you know, this team is a team that it's so hard to quantify. I don't think people thought this was a championship team when the season started, right? And they played pretty well without Ben Simmons for a while, and it was fun. You know, Max, he's a young player that really, I think, won a lot of people over. How many people out there listening would say, Max, he's my favorite player now? He's got energy. He's got spunk. He plays hard. And, oh, by the way, he's pretty good. So now you got this Maxi and B tandem. Where does James Harden fit in? Right? Does he fit in to this mix? The problem, as Bobby Marks just kind of chronicled, if you let Harden walk, in other words, if he opts out of his deal and then you don't bring him back, what do you look like? You're almost forced into bringing him back. You almost don't have a choice unless you legitimately just want to say, hey, we're going to go with Embiid and Maxi and Harris, and that's going to be our three. And then whatever we have around him, whatever we have around those guys, hey, we're just going to be, you know, a four, five, six seed and, you know, become. If they did that, in other words, if they let Harden walk and just did that, you would almost come full circle to becoming the team that you lost on purpose to not become. Just a team that's kind of stuck in the middle ground, winning. Now, some people would say, well, isn't that where you are now? I I would push back on that and say no, because my reasoning is this. Think about the disappointment you have. When you feel disappointment, it's because you had expectation. You didn't have disappointment when the Sixers lost before because you didn't care. You had no expectation. So to go back to where you were would become would be a sign of the fan base becoming apathetic again. And I don't think the fans want to return to apathy. And I don't think the team wants them. Look, the team went through a three, two and a half year, three year process to get you out of apathy. They don't want to do anything to let you return to apathy. But. This offseason right here is going to be a very, very, very important one if you don't want to start losing those fans. I had people last night texting me, I'm done with the Sixers. I don't want to, you know, I'm done with this team. I'm not watching this team anymore. I'm not giving multiple people. The Sixers can't afford after all the time and effort they put into tanking and losing and processing and yada yada, 
They became one of the hottest tickets in town. They became one of the hottest tickets in the NBA. They can't go back to where they were. But if they don't get this offseason right, those people that said, I'm done last night, they might really be done. And I don't mean done forever. They might just be taking a little hiatus like they did from 2003 to 2012 when the Sixers fans didn't care at all. I think one of the things we got to also mention, and I don't think we can bring this up enough, but what Bobby said when you asked him about the Harden contract situation, he said you can't replace him with another max player via free agency. So it's not like you can like let him walk and then use that money to get somebody else. This isn't like the Jimmy Butler situation where you basically report, re- replace the Butler money with Horford, for example, right? You have Harden. He's yours. It, you got to get over it. Right, like, like this text message here says, the Sixers just let Harden leave. What will the difference be? I just chronicled the difference. That difference would be you would be a team that's basically, what, a 40, 38, 40, 45 win but even game? if you win 48, 50 games, okay, I don't, you know, I don't know what guy is available off the top of my head in this offseason, but even if you win 48, 50 games, you still don't have that other guy next to Embiid. Now, if your rationalization is Harden was injured, he'll be better next year, then you better sell that, sell that story pretty hard. You know what I mean? But if your point of reference is, look, we're going to get Harden to sign here for less money so we have more money to do something else with, then I think this, the fan base will stomachache. But if Harden's walking around with 45 to $50 million contract moving forward, what you just said about the fans who have become apathetic, that's the risk this organization is falling into. Uh, some of the free agents this offseason, you got Harden if he opts out. John Wall, Russell Westbrook, Bradley Beal, Kyrie Irving. He's got a player option. They all have player options, those right. guys. Now, your unrestricted free agents, they're not exciting. Gary Harris, Zach Levine, he would be exciting, but you're not getting him. No. Ricky Rubio, Andre Iguodala, Thaddeus Young, Joe Ingles. I'd be interested in Joe Ingles a little bit, uh, although he plays Zippo defense. He's the kind of guy, though, that he's a pain in the ass. Um, there's not a lot of attractive guys on this market in terms of, hey, they can fill the needs that we have, which is what? We need to be tougher. We need to be more athletic. And B kept saying, man, Toronto, they just have all these six, eight guys. They just keep throwing them at you. I don't see those guys um, that are available right now. P.J. Tucker has a player option. Um Patty Mills has a player option. Yeah, this list is not all that exciting. And that's why, really, at the end of the day, the solution, after what we heard from Morty and Doc Rivers at that press conference, the only answer may be them trading Tobias Harris. Yeah. I I can't even promise you that's going to result in much. Yeah, I I agree. I think that is your – that is – that's your wild card. When you're looking around right now, how do I get better? How do I get better? Because Harden's going to be here. Mm-hmm. The wild card is, can I trade Tobias Harris? Otherwise, I'm coming back with a very similar team. The other question is, do I want to break the team up again? Or do I want to say, you know what? This team, the B got hurt. Let's bring the core back. Let's bring those four guys back and just maybe fix the pieces around them. 
Replace Danny Green, replace the backup center. Although, I think you could get by with Paul Reed and, and Bassey. Uh, Doc Rivers actually spoke glowingly about Bassey today. He was the one guy on the bench that he said I think could be. A, How shocked were you? I, I was almost fell out of my seat. I would come back. Jeff Kerr, why he loves the schedule release day. It was last night. This is one of his favorite nights of the sports calendar. Sports Pass Live, 97.3 ESPN. Now, back to the Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Free ESPN. 5.32, Sports Bash, 97.3 ESPN, Friday night. Happy hour, Friday! What's going on, everybody? I'm Mike Gill. We think that... Uh, the Sixers have a lot of big questions in the offseason, and they do, by the way. Uh, we want to check out the Eagles' schedule over at 97.3 ESPN.com. A lot of Sixers stuff, a lot of text messages coming in. I uh, I figure that, uh, if you know, a lot of people have a lot of text messages. They want questions answered, so I'll do my best to try to answer as many of questions that I can before the end of the show, because we're at the weekend here. Um, let's see... Mike, do you ever do you think Harden will be the player that he was? Uh, I would never give him the super max. I would answer that question like this, and I appreciate the question. It's hard to say. We have no idea if Harden was 100%. Now, if he's the guy that you saw this year, then no. But was the hamstring injury a problem? Was he playing at 80%? Was he playing at 75%? Was it slowing him down? Has he lost a step? I personally think the best case scenario with Harden, this is what I think you should hope for. I think that you should hope for Harden to opt into the $47 million. I know it sounds ridiculous, $47 million for James Harden playing like that. It's not worth it. It's the best case scenario, though, that he opts into the deal after a full offseason, full evaluation, full training camp, all of them together, and then you can say, all right, he's not the same player. I can't extend him. So he gets a $47 million tryout, essentially. And I think that's the best-case scenario. I don't want to sign him to a long-term deal. I just don't have enough information. I don't know if he's the same player. I don't know if he's the uh, James Harden that we want him to be. Right? I just don't have those answers. I'm willing to take the $47 million gamble. So if I'm Daryl Morey, I'm sitting down with James Harden and I'm saying, James, we're buddies. We've, we've been through a lot together. You know, all those great years we had in Houston. We were right there. You know, we were the really, if it wasn't for a historically great Golden State Warriors team, they were probably the next best team in the NBA. 
right? If they weren't the second best team in the NBA, maybe they're the third or fourth. But, I mean, that James Harden, Chris Paul team, they were really good. So trust me on this, James. Right? If I'm Daryl Morey, trust me on this. Opt into the $47 million. We'll pay you the $47 million, but you got to show us more. Right? It, to me, that's the best case scenario. If he opts out and he wants to stay and you got to pay him the big money, I think that's a mega mistake. Uh, hey, it's John from Cape May. What's up, John and Cape May? Doesn't Harden hurt Maxi's growth? We need the old Harden type of player, not the new. Maxi needs the ball in his hands. He's not a shooting guard. I think they can coexist, especially if you get a healthy Harden. I mean, just as we were talking about, go back to the Harden-Chris Paul team. What were people saying about that team, right? What were people saying about that team? Well, Harden and Paul can't play together. They can't coexist. The NBA today is built on the concept of multiple ball handlers. They tried the idea. This is why the Butler Simmons thing was so awkward because they were trying to replicate what other teams do, but neither player wanted to concede to that plan. Yeah. You mentioned Paul and Harden in Houston. Look at what the Warriors do. Look at what LeBron is that everywhere he goes, right? When he was in the Cavs, him and Kyrie. When it was Miami, it was him and Dwayne Wade. You know, with him in LA, point one point was him and Rondo. The NBA's best teams in the last decade plus are built on the concept of having multiple guys you could handle the ball on the perimeter because not everyone's a pure point guard. But there's no more Andre Miller's, Brevin Knight kind of guy who doesn't almost shoot at all and just only passes the ball. Today's game, the majority of point guards... I mean, even Ricky Rubio averages, what, 16 points a game for goodness Well, I mean, and Chris Paul is not a quote-unquote scorer. He is more right. of a, you know. But he's averaging 16, 18 points a game. Right, but I'm saying you're not, you wouldn't call him like this uh, pure scorer. He scores when he picks his spots. Correct. When he was in Houston, all right, you go back to when he played for the Rockets those two years. He averaged 18.6, 15.6. But he averaged eight assists a game. Right. So the two of those guys coexisted together, handling the ball, kind of working off of each other. I think Maxi is a more could be a more explosive version of what you know, not better than I'm saying. I'm not saying he's better than Chris Paul. I'm saying a more explosive version of like the way those two guys played together. Because Maxi's certainly quicker. First step can get by better than Paul is. And I, I think that Maxi can fill the scoring void that you were hoping to get from Harden at some point. To me, the problem with the Sixers is once you, if Embiid, Maxi, and Harden are not quote unquote getting the job done, one of them is not having a good night or whatever, who else is stepping up? And the problem is, is right now, that guy has been Tobias Harris. And that's not good enough. No, it's not good enough if you want to get out of the second round. I mean, Harris said last night, we're not tough enough. Well, you're part of that problem. Yeah, you know, then that's the weird thing about them all talking about being tough, Mike, which I kept scratching my head about. I was like, well, what about you? Like, I'm not, I don't mean Embiid, per se, but like the rest of the team. Like, you know, Harden spoke, you know, Thibel spoke today. Like, Thibel to me, 
if somebody wants hot Thibel and they're willing to give me something, he's, I don't want to say he's a waste, but if he could have been part of that deal, I think you, you had to have, if you could revisit that deal and say he could have been part of it, you have to have considered of, of, of making him part of that. Deal. The only way Thibel is worth keeping moving forward is if he comes in the next season, I can guarantee you he shoots 34% from three, and he's taking 3-4 he, a game. He, yeah, he is essentially Ben Simmons that uh, with a tiny bit. With, he's Ben Simmons. With less length. But willing to shoot. <laughs> and he's smaller. But I'm saying, like, he's just a one-dimensional player who's willing to shoot. Great. Simmons wasn't even willing to shoot. At least Thibel will catch it and shoot it. He might make a three every once in a while. But he's so one-dimensional. He's so limited. He lost so much confidence. And you got to wonder whether his team, like, did he become a little bit of an outcast on that team after, you know, they he wasn't able to play in Toronto? I mean, look, there there is a lot of speculation still out there that part of the reason why Harden wanted out of Brooklyn was because of the Kyrie Vax situation. Harden and the Nets have denied that narrative, but, you know, maybe there is something to it, and maybe Harden was part of the contingent that looked at, you know, uh, Thibel and looked at him as basically an outcast. And, you know, when a guy of Harden's stature, listen, we've all been in locker rooms. We all remember what cliques are like. Every every social environment has a clique. And, you know, if Harden is part of the group, people that look at Maxi's side, sorry, uh, that uh, Matisse Thibel sideways, then maybe other guys are looking at him sideways too. I don't, I don't know all the locker room dynamics, but listen, there is something to be said for the fact that Thibel is part of the problem and Harris is part of the problem. And, you know, at the end of the day, you have to change this roster. You can't go in the next year and say, let's run it back. That's unacceptable. You can't run it back with the entirety. I agree with that. But do I roll the dice with my four guys? I say you roll the dice with Maxi Harden and Embiid for sure. I think Harris is really your only option to significantly change the roster at this point. No question. And I think that if you can find somebody who could use a guy like Harris and get somebody in return that fits the mold of what you need more. You know, the story goes... Because people remember the last dance. Charles Oakley and Jordan were really good friends. They they were great friends, great pals. Everyone in Chicago loved Oakley. But they had to move Oakley to get better at center. And they couldn't get Cartwright without him. And at first, the, the, the Bulls locker room and Jordan were not happy about it. But they had to do it. And Cartwright became a, a huge part of them winning three championships. I'm not saying Tobias Harris is Charles Oakley per se, but Harris is loved in this locker room. These guys love this guy. They admire him. They respect him. They think very highly of him. And you're going to have to break up that mutual admiration society to get you to the next level potentially. Yeah, you might. The only thing I would push back on that is, yes, I agree with that sentiment, but how many different teams can you keep throwing around and beat before you're like, look, every year it we're, we're different. But you know, like it, they mentioned today, we only played 23 games together. Right. Maybe that's not enough games to play together. 
You know, do you just say, listen, you only played 23 games together. Embiid had a broken face and a torn thumb. Let's keep those four guys together and just tinker around. Let's get a better version of Danny Green. Let's get a better version of, I don't know, you got to find a guy who can score off the bench. Let's get a better version of Niang. Let's get a better version of whoever. Milton. Yeah, I mean, Korkmaz is making five million bucks. Can I upgrade that spot? I mean, that's a guy you have to talk about trading as well. Yeah, I mean, he obviously, you're at a point now where you know that Korkmaz can't help you. He, he, he's not a consistent enough shooter. He doesn't put it on the floor. He's he can't defend. anything. Right, he doesn't defend, all that stuff. So i got to upgrade his spot on my roster. The Niang spot, nice guy, tough guy, makes shots, not athletic enough. Can I upgrade that spot on my roster? Um, I think Paul Reed, Bassey, that combination, I think you're fine behind and bead with those two guys. So I don't think you need to spend a lot of money to upgrade that area. I think if you just let those two guys play all 82 games, by the time you get to the playoffs, you will have two guys who have now been seasoned a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, can I get Curry? Can I get a guy like that back somehow? Is Curry a free agent? Uh, I don't think so. Let me double check. I thought he had one more year left in this deal. You know, is there a way that I can find, like Bobby Mark said, a guy who just wants to come and play with Embiid? He, he called him a ring chaser. Do you just keep the four guys and just work your butt off to find ways to improve the depth? Are the four guys with a healthy Embiid, that is? Yeah, probably- Curry's under contract on 2023. Okay, so he's got one more year in Brooklyn. Patty yeah. Mills, I think, is a... Patty Mills is a free agent. He's a player option. But the the thing with Mills is is that, you know, Durant and Kyrie like him, so... Yeah, but was he getting enough playing time there? I mean, come on. Let's be realistic. The Nets are a mess. So, I'm I mean, saying, does he... He might look around and say, I'm not getting enough playing time. It's a mess. They got Curry. Me and Curry, we're almost, you know, similar type of players. Not that Patty Mills, I think, helps this team all that much either, but... Well, I think he definitely helps in one specific area, which is when you go to the bench, you're guaranteed to get a, a certain level of production yeah. from a player. Like you, but you bring in Jake Milton and these other guys, you're just shrugging your shoulders like you're rolling the dice in Atlantic City. Yeah, all those guys need to be upgraded. So do you keep the four and upgrade? Or do you try to spin for the big move? That'll be discussed a lot this off season. We're sports bash. We'll close out the happy hour Friday. Wasn't all that happy today gotta be honest more sports bash close it out coming up now back to more without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running everything would suddenly stop hospitals factories schools and power plants they all depend on you no matter the weather emergency or time of day you're the ones who get it done at granger we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies count on real-time product availability and fast delivery Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. On 97.3 ESPN, South Jersey's sports leader. All right, 10 minutes till we get out of here. Hanging out with you, actually, about five minutes till I'm out of here. Josh has game night at six. Uh, Steve Buchanan's going to talk a little baseball. Phillies almost blew that game last night. What the heck was that? There's a lot of people saying that the problem is Girardi. You know, well, Girardi, Alvarado stinks. That Girardi shouldn't be bringing in Alvarado in that situation. I right? said that a week ago. You know, but the problem is, is that, you know, okay, you get rid of Girardi. Well, who are you replacing? Well, I mean. Kaplan, Kaplan's already got a job. Uh, listen, uh, 
we keep it. We always ask who you're going to replace him with. Who are we going to replace him with? Um, I don't think there's an attractive option out there that off the top of our head. That's very guys, fair. You don't. The question with Girardi, I guess, is you brought him in to elevate your team to another level. Correct. That hasn't happened. That's becoming evident that it's not happening. So, I mean, is it possible Girardi just? isn't a good fit for what this team needs, basically, and you need to go find it somewhere else. Well, and and I don't know, like, we've been told so many times by people who cover the league day to day to day that say, look, a lot of times the manager doesn't make the lineup. You know, the GM sits in there with them, and they make the lineup based on analytics and yada, 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 and, you know, um, is Girardi being told who to play? Those things I don't know. But if that's the case... Does this team like playing for Girardi? Is there a spark with Girardi? Is he, you know, getting the most out of this team? I, I don't know. I mean, to me, uh, they just look like a a retread team from their past of just not good enoughness. If that makes any sense. No, I know what you mean. It's it's very frustrating though because, like you said, you thought that this guy was going to be. Hey, he's won a World Series as a player. He's won a World Series as a coach. He's been a manager of the year. Yeah, frustrating. He, he, he was in high demand. He, you know, he he sounded good on television. You know how fans love that kind of stuff, right? And it, it's starting to feel like, you know, that maybe he doesn't know how to push the buttons, at least with this team. Yeah, it's it's just not a fun team to watch right now. It's not to say, They won last night, but, yeah, you, you almost blew a 7-1 lead. Um, it was also a strange game. game. Such a strange game. I mean, you're, you're watching the game and you're seeing the bleed blow away. And then and then they somehow scratch it out in the end. And then Knable comes in. And even then you're kind of like, you know, squeezing to the, you know, the side of your chair, you know, grinding your teeth, wondering how they're going to blow this. <laughs> well, at least Knable, like, he had the one bad outing, which, you know, it happens from time to time. Mm-hmm. But. They haven't had these blown saves every other night of the week like they were having the last couple of years. I feel like Knable has at least kind of, you know. He gives you a little hope, right? Is that fair to say? He has somewhat stabilized the closing position. Like, it's not a complete disaster. It's just, you know, he's not an elite guy, but he's he's very good. He gets the job done. How's that? Sure. <laughs> that answer didn't throw you either. <laughs> I mean, I, I, he's better than Neris closing games out. He's better than Ann Kennedy. You know, the problem is I just don't have a lot of faith in the in in, in the, the makeup of this bullpen. Still, I Got feel it. like, and I said this back in spring training, Dominguez has to be the key to that bullpen, and so far he hasn't been. You know, Dominguez is the guy you should that that the manager should want to go to in that situation last night. Instead, he keeps going to Alvarado. I mean, how the hell does he trust Alvarado in that spot? That I don't understand. Like, how the hell would you trust that guy in that's, any situation? That's part of what confuses people. People are looking around. I'm like, why do you keep going to this guy? I, I don't get it. But, again, he's limited. I mean, he's well, looking for Alvarado's a guy. Maybe Alvarado's got blackmail on him. Well, I mean, no. he's He has a guy who throws 102 miles an hour at times, and he's looking for a big strikeout in certain situations. He's the only guy in that bullpen that he trusts that can get a strikeout. When I need a key strikeout, who am I going to go to? And that's his guy. The problem is he doesn't have the control to trust him enough. But that being said, they've won three out of four. So uh, tonight, uh, Phillies are back in action. Gibson versus Bueller. Bueller. 
two guys who are having a really good start to the season. Gibson's 3-1, 294 ERA, 107 whip. Bueller, 4-1, 196 ERA, 106 whip. So two guys who are really pitching well. Should be a good pitching matchup tonight. Chavez Ravine. You ever been there? No, I have not. By the way, no Clayton Kershaw tonight. He was uh, pulled out with a, uh, an inflammation or a joint. I just said Bueller's pitching. Well, it was supposed to be Clayton Kershaw. You lucked out. No uh, Kershaw, now you get Bueller. Thanks. <laughs> well, the thing is... You, Thanks for nothing. It's, it's technically Bueller on short rest, so... Um, best of the Sports Bash tomorrow and Sunday. Locker room with Billy on Saturday and Sunday. Josh has game night next, and I'm out of here. Have a great happy hour Friday, everybody. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.